It's time for the most interactive radio program in Las Vegas today. It's time for Pushing the Limits with Brian Shapiro. Brian will talk sports, politics, entertainment, and anything that matters to you. Feel free to call Brian at 702-221-7283. You want answers? I want the truth! Now Pushing the Limits, here's Brian Shapiro. Thank you, Nick Monsanto. Welcome. It is Pushing the Limits on KSHB. So glad you could join us. Hope everybody had a fantastic weekend. I know I did. And uh, we're going to do a little weekend rundown action here coming up in a minute. But let me give you a quick rundown on what we got going on today. Obviously, uh, tragedy, and and it continues to be a tragedy, what's taking place right now in the Ukraine. We're going to have an update for you. Paul McCleary is a defense reporter for Politico. He's a great reporter. And he's kind of just going to give us the rundown of of what's going on there. Just a a story that I just read, actually, on TMZ, of all places, that a six-year-old girl was killed by Russian shelling. It's just, it's awful. It's terrible. But there are there may be some light at the end of the tunnel, maybe, as I believe talks between the Russians and Ukrainian people are, have started up again. So, again, we'll get an update here coming up in just a couple minutes. Later on in the show, tough loss for UNLV at home against Boise State. Boise State, really good basketball team. We got Jeff Grammer, who I just think is, is a great journalist. He covers the Mountain West. He covers New Mexico. He's from the Albuquerque Journal. He's going to be joining us in hour number two. We'll break down UNLV. We'll break down the Mountain West Conference. It's incredible. It's like, what, a week and a half away, the Mountain West Conference tournament? I mean, it's it's crazy. So uh, we got to break down a little bit of March Madness and, gosh, all the basketball tournaments that are coming to town. The West Coast Conference tournament, the Big West, uh, the Pac-12 tournament, uh, the West Coast Conference tournament. I'm probably missing one. I mean, everything is here. It's really, it's really unbelievable. So uh, a lot – and we're also going to talk a little bit about hypocrisy, right? You're not going to believe what that idiot Senator Tom Cotton said with George Papadopoulos on national television. He refused to uh, say something and call out Donald Trump for the words that he used when it came to uh, Vladimir Putin. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about the hypocrisy of some of those statements and also Senator Ron Johnson, two complete buffoons who should not be representing anybody in this country. We'll get to that coming up a little bit later on the program. But joining me in studio today, as he did last Monday and he does today. Uh, that is Chris Wynn, radio talk show host here in Las Vegas, joining me in studio. Chris, what's going on, man? It's going great, Brian. Good to join you after a uh, active weekend, to say the least, uh, across the board. With uh, you kind of got that Harry Carey. It's, Harry. Got it's that Vegas. Harry Carey. Active. Uh, Active weekend. What's yeah, up with your to, voice today? It's uh, just making sure that uh, I'm coming across. You're projecting because because you, no, Chuck, you know, right? It's it's sometimes it's really hard to uh, we got an active to, weekend to get my voice to project uh, out uh, over the airways. Hey, everybody, I'm KSHB. Chris Wynn. We've got an active weekend. We well, I got I got I got an active. Here's weekend. the deal, right, chap? I got a what mirror. Are you doing, a game show or something? Like I got a mirror. It's just a talk show on KSHP. What's, what's what are you doing? You're you're exactly right, and I can't argue with that. <laughs> I'm trying to mirror my uh, spots that I have here, uh, you know, during the show because uh, I have the the outstanding spots that I have with Stallones and uh, yes. and a couple others where I just uh, am flat out and absolutely not yes. reading the material at all. <laughs> That's okay? true. You're yeah. supposed to be a professional. Exactly. All right. Well, I appreciate you making the effort. <laughs> anyway, uh, fun weekend. You know, I played in a po- a very big cash poker game on Friday. Did you? Uh, I don't know if I should be talking about this but it was a private game some guys were buying in between 20 and fifty thousand dollars me shapiro i bought in for a measly two thousand dollars i won fifteen hundred and i went home i saw a pot a hundred twenty thousand dollar pot at a poker table let me tell you something quickly about this game and then we'll move on it's a legal game because nobody's making money off of the game off of the rake or Mm -hmm. anything okay but you've got hot 
cocktail servers walking around everywhere. They accept tips. Beautiful women, like completely. But it is kind of disgusting because you have these beautiful women that are giving massages and stuff to these disgusting men at the poker table. And it is a little bit off-putting. Like imagine if you had a really attractive woman giving me like a, a back massage and, and a butt massage or something like that. You'd, you'd, be, you'd, be, you'd be grossed out, right? You'd okay, be, so, well, right? not necessarily about yeah. the back massage, but then you got to take it well, a step further, right? Listen. I mean, come on, numchuck. He's got to go a little bit further here and, and you know. These women and are then flirtatious. turn it into a vomit-inducing Chris, type situation. Chris, yes. these women are flirtatious. I'm not calling them prostitutes, but they're very flirtatious to get tips. And they're doing things that, you know, the average woman that's Understood. not getting paid yeah. probably wouldn't do. I'll leave it at that. Anyway, it was a fun time. I won a little bit of money. Uh, great game. A lot of fun people uh, at the game. Good food. Good fun. So that was my Friday. And then Saturday, me and Chris, we go to the uh, UNLV basketball game. Now, my boy is Marcus Banks. We're, we're, we're tight. We talk all the time. Marcus is a nine-time NBA veteran, a legend at UNLV. And he's been on my past show before, and he's going to be on this show this week. Marcus is a little upset at UNLV. I don't think he'd mind me saying that because, you know, they don't really reach out to him enough for tickets and so on and so forth. So anyway, we're sitting like second row. Me, Chris, Marcus Banks, Brian Salmon, Chris Matthews, my friend Sean over at VEASAN. We're all sitting there having a good time, right? And all of a sudden, Tracy McGrady walks by, right? T-Mac. Now it's T-Mac, right? Former NBA All-Star legend, right? So Marcus knows him. They played against each other. Mm-hmm. They shake hands. So T-Mac goes and sits front row, Gucci row. Right then and there, Marcus is just really pissed off. He's like, why don't they let me sit Gucci row? So Marcus is getting, like, you can see him. He's steaming, right? And then a couple minutes later, Chet Buchanan announces Tracy McGrady at the game. And at this point, Marcus is just, he's so livid. He's, he's like, so angry that they didn't announce that he was there, which I kind of understand. Marcus is a UNLV legend, and they don't introduce... Marcus, but they introduced T-Mac. So, Chris, am I telling the story correctly so far? 100% yes. so far, yeah. So he's he's really, really pissed off. So then somebody comes up to him and somebody says, hey, do you, do you, do you mind if we show you an announcer? And he goes, no, don't do it. He's just like, no, forget it. You had your opportunity. Don't do it. We'll get more into this later. It was kind of funny and enjoyable, but at the same time, I understand Marcus and his frustrations. He's a great guy. He cares about UNLV, and I just don't think – as much as I – you know, I, I praise Kevin Kruger, and it's not Kevin's fault. I praise uh, Kevin and his staff, and the team's winning, and we'll get to that later. They don't yeah. do enough to reach out to former uh, UNLV players. But anyway, it was a fun game. We had a good time. It was a fun game. And then uh, yesterday, I go over to uh, the C. Wynn residence, and his roommate can cook, man. Great cook. So we go over. Is it okay to call it an Asian supermarket well, 100 percent. i mean okay. you can throw the name out there it's not an advertiser but you spent 300 dollars yeah. on groceries there can you please explain why and what we got so we <laughs> went to a local specialty uh, grocery store essentially yes i mean any kind any kind of asian food that they have that that you can think of they have it there right as well as you know all the other uh mainstays and go-tos i spent nine dollars on an a1 a1 sauce so, by the way so <laughs> this is the thing that brought so for all the listeners out there and for uh and, and for those in here uh, Brian, sometimes he'll get ideas in his head, and it's great, right? You know, say, you know, let, let, I'm in the mood. Let's let's have a let's have a lobster dinner, right? So I'm like, okay, let's do it. So we roll down to this market, right? And uh, and it ends up being you figure, you know, you're gonna get, you're pretty much a targeted you you have a targeted idea of what you're going to get when you go to the supermarket, right? Or you go to any store, whether you're going to get clothes, whatever it is. That's not what happens, right? When you end up going to a grocery store, what happens is. You end up picking up, uh, you know, numerous items across the board, 
And uh, what the end result is is that uh, the tab was upwards of like 300 bones at, the, at this uh, specialty market. On uh, just just uh, 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 Brian and a couple of us idiots. I was hanging like, out. do I get a three hundred dollars? Do I and, get a stock in the supermarket? And, <laughs> and mind you, I'll, I'll polish the story off by saying this: mind you, two hundred dollars of it was just the lobsters and a durian fruit. Now, those of you out there that don't know what durian fruit is, it's a fruit, uh, Asian fruit, I believe. A lot of people eat it. What are you looking at me for? I have no and, idea. And, uh, in Asian <laughs> countries, it's a, it's a popular fruit. It's a very. Uh, can I just stop real quickly and say so, this, though? Can I just real yes, quickly? Yes. Sorry, I apologize. Sorry to okay. interrupt. When you come in and do my show, that's what I get you. I just wanted to say that. I get you lobster and only the best. Sorry, you I just want, just want to say that. Go ahead. Okay, and uh, I absolutely understand what uh, direction you're going there, but let's, let's continue. So, yes. So two hundred of a two hundred dollars of the three hundred that was spent was on lobsters and durian fruit, and then of course uh, you know we get back to out and it was uh, it was uh, we had a little feast right Brian we had a, we feast, had a good time little uh, wasn't worth little the seafood money. wasn't worth a little the money. durian I don't I don't know no. if a uh, hundred bucks for a no. look uh, all of you out there that are our proponents okay. Okay. of durian fruit okay right. out there listening we I'm sure. Have- you 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 love it. We gotta okay? get, it's not worth. We got to get price. to we got to get to some At serious. Least here in the US. We got to get to some serious stuff here. But okay, I got to ask you this: one of your roommates, she's vegan, right? And she doesn't. Hundred percent. She doesn't yeah. uh, eat animals. She wasn't happy. Okay. She wasn't happy, Brian. This is a bottom feeder fish. She wasn't okay? happy. Okay. This is she lobster. Okay. We're not talking about cows or anything. We're talking about a lobster. It's a bottom feeder fish. Yeah. Why would she give you hell for that? That is nuts if you ask me. It's nuts. Well, I'm not I don't speak to to vegans. Look, vegans have their beliefs and their you know and how they feel. And uh but, right, but, but, but don't it was, share it on other but people. But I have to say, I have to say it was it was so this morning I woke up full disclosure, woke up and and went to talk to my roommate and uh and Dale she and I said, "Look, Dale, we should just save some Lobster for her. you know, tongue in cheek, just kind of being funny with her, you know. About it. she was legitimately upset. She was legit. She's a vegan, okay, and uh, it's apparently clear now to me it wasn't before, okay, that she is hardcore when it comes to her feelings regarding animals being killed for food. She's not a fan at all, and she was mad. Well, about that's it, her so prerogative, but I don't was push uh, on other people. I was a little bit taken aback at it because no. I didn't know that she was that hardcore about it. And so you're telling me look, she we can go down a whole road here. About this, but you're, it was you're, just you're a, telling me she wouldn't want you to like uh, go hunting and then mount the head on uh, in your garage. She, she's one of those. She wouldn't want that. I wouldn't want that either, actually. Well, the way I look at it, right, Brian, is this: I look at it like, okay, it's it's. I guess it's okay. Maybe it's not okay for vegans, but it's it's acceptable or it's they can live with it. Okay. If it's done well, outside me, of the residence. Okay, this is but to her Dale. viewpoint. Brian, her viewpoint was this: is that the Fine. lobsters were live, right? Because they were when we brought them yes. home. And then we killed them in the house. So right. that's really was the. And by the way, that was the deal breaker. That was the breaking. And by point the way, the hissing, yeah. the hissing is not uh, the lobsters suffering. Uh, that the hissing yeah. is an air bubble thing. But anyway, this is my message to your roommate. I love swine. I love bacon. I eat you, it. You know what you're reminding me of right now? I eat it every single day. Um, I love burgers. I love bacon. I love a good steak. It's absolutely delicious. With that not being said, with that being said. I don't want animals to suffer. I want them to to be killed immediately. I don't want them to suffer. I want it to be humane. But can we just stop, ladies and gentlemen, with you pushing your beliefs on other people? I love bacon. I don't tell everybody to get bacon. I like bacon. Mm -hmm. I love a good T-bone steak. I don't force you to get a T-bone steak. If we go to a steakhouse and you want to fill up on bread, that'd be a little weird. But if you want to get some soup and some bread... 
fine. So be it. I'll probably make fun of you a little bit and make a couple jokes, Mm -hmm. but I'm not going to force you. Stop forcing your beliefs on us. So, Bryant, so you know what you sound like right now? You sound like uh, we're both fans of the TV show Entourage. You sound like Ari Gold when he's in the restaurant with Vince's girlfriend, and Vince's girlfriend, obviously a vegan, in in the show, and he's... Ari Gold starts talking about, no, I need uh, you know red meat from yes. the flesh of uh, slaughtered animals. That's what I want to eat right now inside the vegan restaurant. That's how you sound right now talking about the story. Well, you know what? I like what I like, and you like what you like, and I'm not going to tell you what to do. Don't tell me what to do. That's kind of my, my opinion when it comes to everything in society. Don't tell me well, what to do. Well, don't be mad at me. You know what I mean? Don't yeah, act like yeah. I'm some murderer it's... or something and make me feel – I legitimately felt – like when I left the, left the house, I felt legitimately bad. Yeah. You know, like I was like, oh, my God, did I – actually do something wrong, and then I kind of thought about yeah. the grand scope of it and said to myself, come on now, you know? Anyway, uh, that was uh, kind of a weekend rundown. We'll, we'll continue the conversation on their side. Obviously, there's a lot of serious things going on in the world, particularly what's going on in the Ukraine right now, and I just hear this story about the six-year-old girl that was killed uh, by Russian shelling, and uh, listen, this war continues, and it's not ending anytime soon, and I figure the best person uh, to talk to us about this. Uh, they do such a great job of political. I love their reporters. They really are very, very good at their craft, and Paul McCleary is defense reporter for Politico, and he's going to kind of give us an update on what's going on, and is he joining just right now on the line. Paul, I do appreciate you being here, sir. How are you? Sure thing. How are you doing? Doing good, Paul. Uh, probably a lot better than a lot of people, civilians in the Ukraine are doing right now, that's for sure. Uh, I wanted to kind of, do I, do I have this story right to start? I know it's a real sad one, uh, Paul, but uh, this six-year-old girl that was killed, it's kind of made national news all over the world. Yeah, I mean, the, the Russians uh, in general are known for not having a lot of regard for human rights or uh, civilian risk, right? Um, and we saw what they did in Syria, essentially cop- carpet bomb cities um, with dumb bombs, you know, not using precision weapons, um, flattened Grozny, uh, you know, in, in, in Chechnya, with no regard whatsoever for, for human rights or, or civilian populations. And they've held back mostly in Ukraine um, until, you know, just the past 24 hours in, in Kharkov. Kharkiv, we've seen um, multiple rocket launchers uh, firing indiscriminately into the city, killing civilians. Um, right. More of it's moving in from, from Belarus. A lot of it was held in reserve and hasn't even entered Ukraine yet, but indications are that that stuff is coming in now. So now, it's, it, Correct me if I'm wrong, Paul, but it appears to me that most of the people in Russia, most, do not agree with what Vladimir Putin is doing. It could be athletes or, or actors or musicians or celebrities or just regular civilians. It does not appear to me that the majority of the people in Russia agree with what Vladimir Putin is doing, but many of the people are afraid to speak out on it. Is that is that a fair assumption? Um, one would assume so, right? I mean, there's I don't think there's a lot of appetite in Russia for a war in Ukraine. Um, it's you know, the, the reasons for it are murky. You know, there's Donbass and Luhansk, Russian-speaking areas that Russia invaded and essentially took over in 2014. And that's what this operation was supposed to be about. Um, but clearly it's not. I mean, there's tens of thousands of troops um, pushing on, on the capital city um, in a wa- much wider conflict than Vladimir Putin sure. had told the Russian people he, was, he wanted to, to, um, to, to do. Now, uh, Paul, the the political aspect on this side, I mean, we're going to talk about Tom Cotton's comments here in a little bit and Johnson's comments. It it appears to me that there's a lot of people uh, on the right that a few weeks ago did not think that this was going to happen, that Vladimir Putin was going to do this. And now all of a sudden they're blaming Joe Biden for everything. Meanwhile, while all this is going on, 
Donald Trump, as you know, over the course of the last week, has praised Vladimir Putin, called him savvy, called him smart. What do you make of some of, not all, but some of the hypocrisy on the right where they're not calling out our former president for praising Vladimir Putin, yet they're saying this is all Joe Biden's fault? I mean, what do you make of this? Uh, I mean, it's not totally surprising. I mean, there's, you know, this this idea that... um you know, domestic policy stops at the water's edge, and 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 you know, usually, and, and presidents are given a pretty wide latitude um, in foreign policy like this. But I mean, the Biden administration, um, like all Western governments, was somewhat slow in, in equipping the Ukrainians until the last few weeks. But um, there has been a remarkable coalition of EU and NATO countries, the United States and Canada, who have come together and are, are shipping weapons into Ukraine right now. You know, they're shutting down access to Russian banks, things like that. So, I mean, there has been a, a pretty huge diplomatic effort and win um, over the past, I mean, just over the weekend was, was remarkable um, of what's happening there. So, <laughs> you know, folks on the Hill are, are going to complain about whatever the president does, um, but there's been a real effort made here and a very successful effort just in the past couple of days to, to really isolate russia yeah yeah no, i agree with you if you're just joining us again he is defense reporter for political paul mcclearly clearly joining us right now on the line paul I, i've just learned that uh, somewhere around a half a million refugees now have fled the ukraine can you just take us through what these good people these good civilians who have done nothing wrong uh in the ukraine are having to face here on a daily basis from the day, time they wake up from when they go to sleep yeah i mean it's a very it's kind of a tale of two countries in the west of Ukraine on the border of uh, Poland and, and Hungary and, and Slovakia, it's, it's still relatively quiet. The Russians haven't done much there. So once people can get east of the capital city, and or I'm sorry, west of the capital city, it's a little bit safer. Um, but there are lines of um, miles and miles long at the borders crossing from Poland. I know Slovakia and Hungary have been t- and Romania have been taking in and refugees. Um, I mean, they're coming by the tens of thousands. Um, and the EU so far is handling it pretty well, but um, it's going to be a pretty massive effort because it doesn't appear that these folks will be able to, to go home any anytime soon, really. Mm, that, that is just tragic. So, Paul, uh, you know, I share my opinions on the air every day, of course, and what I do is a little different than from what you do. But my opinion from the beginning has always been Vladimir Putin needs to be taken out. Now, I know Joe Biden's not going to say that, but I think we need to treat and the world needs to treat Vladimir Putin the way we treated Saddam Hussein towards the end there. I don't think any of these sanctions are going to stop Vladimir Putin in his tracks. I don't think he cares about his own people. Clearly, he doesn't. He has a ton of money uh, to take care of himself and his family. So what, what do you think these sanctions are going to do as far as he is concerned? And do you agree with me? And is there anybody on Capitol Hill that agrees with me? Because I haven't really heard anybody say it flat out but vladimir putin needs to be taken out and that's the only thing that's going to deter this guy from 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 doing anything in the future yeah i mean he appears incredibly isolated i mean even just the um the images of him meeting with his his cabinet and and ministers and he's at one end of the table and they're down at the other end of like a 20 foot long table um you know he's so isolated that even in meetings with his own government he's not within 2025 feet of these people um, I think the Russian people, I mean, they didn't even open the stock market today. Banks are closed. They're going to, they're feeling this right now. I mean, even smaller things like Google Pay and Apple Pay were shut down in Russia, so people weren't able to use it to get on the subway. I saw pictures today. So there's lines at the, at the subways in Moscow. Um, but they are going to really feel the heat. I mean, the ruble just fell through the floor. Um, 
Will the Russian people rise up? I'm not sure, but I can imagine the oligarchs in Moscow aren't very happy about their yachts being seized and losing billions of dollars in, in revenue overnight. So, mm-hmm. you know, Putin has built a police state around himself, so it would be hard to dislodge him. But, uh, you know, given the pressures the entire country is going to be facing immediately, um, I would think he's, he's, in, he's in some trouble, and I think that's why he's probably self-isolating on some level. Obviously, you take a look at this war. There are two sides that are directly involved on the ground, that being Russia, of course, and the Ukraine. But now we have a uh, 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 more news that has come out here in the last 24 hours. And, of course, that is uh, with respect to Belarus. What are your thoughts uh, regarding that and what the, their involvement could be when it comes to the actual uh, on-the-ground conflict going on? I mean, Belarus uh, senior DOD official earlier today um, told uh, some reporters that at the Pentagon that they don't see any indications yet that Belarus is, is ramping up to go in, um, but they could. I mean, they're they're, used, they're being used as a, as a jumping off point for for the Russian military in, into Ukraine. So they're essentially a home base for uh, for the Russian military. Um, I w- L- Lukashenko is beholden to Vladimir Putin right. in in every way at this point. Um, might they go in? Yeah. I mean, their military, I think, 50,000 people. It's very small. So, um, And he, Lukashenko also has to worry about domestic politics in a way that Putin doesn't. I mean, he, he was almost overthrown a few months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but if he's told to go in, I'm sure he, he will go in. I mean, mm-hmm. Putin is using Chechens um, and and other folks. Um, Kazakhstan said no, they wouldn't help out. But I think he's he's reaching for any help he can get right now. Well, Paul, you guys are great at what you do over there at Politico. I really appreciate your reporting, and sadly, this war isn't ending anytime soon. We'd love to have you on again at some point down the road and give us an update, and we really do appreciate your time, Paul. Thank you so much. Thanks, Paul. Thank you. All right, that is uh, Paul McCleary, defense reporter for Politico. Really does a good good job and really has his hands on it. That's incredible what he told me. I didn't know that. I mean, Putin, even when he meets with government officials, he's like 25 feet at the other end of the table. I feel like it's like the beginning of the movie Coming to America, only this is not a comedy, right? This isn't funny. This is war, and Putin won't get close to anybody. But while all this is going on, Chris, okay, we have hypocrisy on the right. What do I mean by hypocrisy? Well, let me share with you. Senator Tom Cotton, I've always said he's a complete buffoon, and he's a uh, right-wing hack. Well, he proved it. He proved it again, because Tom Cotton is always the first person to attack any politician on the left. He was on with George Papadopoulos over the weekend on national TV, and he's being interviewed. And Papadopoulos asked him what I think is a very poignant and fair question. He's asking him about Donald Trump's comments, praising Vladimir Putin, calling him smart, so on and so forth. Have a listen to this exchange. Hopefully, the Ukrainian army has anti-tank missiles that President Obama would not supply, that we did supply last time Republicans were in charge in Washington. That's why it's so urgent that we continue to supply those weapons to Ukraine. Why can't you condemn Donald Trump for those comments? George, if you want to know what Donald Trump thinks about Vladimir Putin or any other topic, I'd encourage you to invite him on your show. I don't speak on behalf of other politicians. They can speak for themselves. I speak on behalf of Arkansans, who I talked to this week and who are appalled at what they saw in Ukraine. And they want me right now to fight in Washington to support those brave Ukrainians. You're a senior member of the Republican Party. Donald Trump is the leader of the Republican Party. He said last night again, suggested that he would be running for president. When Fox News asked him if he had a message for Vladimir Putin, he said he has no message. Why can't you condemn that? I feel quite confident that if Donald, that if Barack Obama or Joe Biden said something like that, you'd be first in line to criticize him. 
Again, George, if you want to talk to the former president about his views or his message, you can have him on your show. My message to Vladimir Putin is quite clear. He needs to leave Ukraine unless he wants to face moms right. and teenagers. Just cut it. I've had enough mold. of this idiot. That goes on for, for a couple minutes, and it's the same crap. Okay, this is the same guy. And by the way, let me be very clear on this. Tom Cotton is a coward. He is a yellow coward is what he is, and he is a disgrace to this country. The, and here's a perfect example of what I'm talking about. This guy every day criticizes Democrats and politicians for what they say and what they do. Every day. Here's proof of that. This is Tom Cotton. Within 24 hours after Ilhan Omar made some statements about 9-11 that I don't agree with, here was Tom Cotton, the first person in line to criticize her. Ilhan Omar was a refugee from Somalia. You would think of all the people that would be grateful for America and be thankful that we stood up and protected the rights of Muslims in places like Somalia or Afghanistan or Iraq that were going to be oppressed, it would be Miss Omar. It's very disappointing to hear her characterize 9-11 in such a fashion. You stupid, two-faced buffoon. You right-wing buffoon hack. You're a disgrace. Anybody who votes for this moron, you should be ashamed of yourself. What a disgrace. He kisses the ring of Donald Trump during a war when our former president praises an evil murderous dictator he sits there like the dumbass that he is and the coward that he is and he can't even say and condemn those comments but yet it's any democrat on the other side of the aisle and i mean any democrat if they have a hangnail he'll be the first person in line to criticize them tom cotton is a fool he is a disgrace to this country it's a microcosm right of kind of what we've been dealing with for the past five to six years with political discourse in America, right? I mean, there's people, and uh, look, it's not just Republicans that are doing this. Yes, are there some people on the left? Are there some of my people that are lefties that are doing this, Brian? Absolutely there are, okay? But there is much more, in my humble opinion, that are doing it on the right, and it's because of, you know, uh, circumstances that present themselves like they do right now with the Ukrainian-Russia conflict. This is just unbelievable that uh, this is a road that people are going down with when you're talking about uh, a conflict like this, and you're going to lay it, you're going to lay it at the feet of Joe Biden, uh, you know, who happens has been in office for a year, and now you know you're gonna, people were lay, it's the same thing that happened, Brian, exactly the same thing that happened, Brian, with the Afghanistan situation, right? It's exactly the same thing. You know, the Afghanistan situation was a manifestation, okay, of things that had happened over almost two decades, okay, with with respect to the United States and Afghanistan and how that all went down. It was not, you know, Joe Biden was not the end-all, be-all of everything in Afghanistan. It was not all Joe Biden's fault with what happened there. Were there things that were done by the, the Biden administration that, that, uh, that uh, absolutely you can take into account? Absolutely. Of course you can. There are. Yeah, but and this is the exact same thing. The exact same thing. Yeah, the, the quote we're that talking he, about Ukraine and Russia. Uh, quote from Tom Cotton, the right wing boob himself. Yeah. I don't speak on behalf of other politicians. Uh, he does. He's a Democrats. liar. You're a he liar. He does when it's Democrats. You right wing yeah. biased boob. You are a liar, and you're a disgrace and embarrassment to this country. What does your wife look when your wife looks at you? What does she see? She sees a coward. You're not a man. You're a coward is what you are. And I got to ask the people that are listening, does this not bother you? I don't care whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. You have a former president talking about Donald Trump 
who praises the evil, murderous dictator who just invaded another country. I just told you the story of the six-year-old girl that just died. By the way, a lot of innocent people have died in the last four days because of one person and one person only, Vladimir Putin. So I ask you all, does that bother you? That not only have a former president praising Putin, but what about these politicians today like Tom Cotton? When asked on national television his thoughts on Donald Trump's comments when it comes to Vladimir Putin, his only response is, well, I don't speak for other politicians. Meanwhile, if Ocasio-Cortez says something like, I want to help people by giving them food stamps. Tom Cotton will be the first person to call her a food stamp politician. You know, Barack Obama, how many, how many things has Tom Cotton said over the years about Barack Obama and some of his policies? So the number to call, I open up the phone lines and I ask you this question. Does this bother you at all? Not just that we have innocent people, our allies in the Ukraine that are dying every day at the start of this war. Does it bother you that we have current and former politicians that not only praise Vladimir Putin, but want to attack the other side of the aisle, but when it comes to anybody in their own party, nope, it's okay, it's all right. You know, this is so bad. This is like everybody in the NFL, you know, going after Henry Ruggs, rightfully so, and this would be like somebody on the Raiders defending Henry Ruggs' actions. To me, it's, it's to that extent. To me, it's that bad, because we're talking about an evil, murderous dictator. The number to call, 702 221 7283. Again, if you want to be a part of the conversation, your thoughts on Ukraine, your thoughts on our politicians in our own country. Maybe you have criticisms for Joe Biden. Maybe you have criticisms for people on the left. That's fine. I'll hear from you. I also want to know what you think about some of these politicians on the right blaming Joe Biden for literally everything. And then when it comes to Donald Trump and when it comes to one of Donald Trump's statements, and then when a Republican is asked about praising a murderous, evil dictator, all of a sudden, uh, You might want to ask him. I don't speak for other politicians, Tom Cotton, because you're a loser and you're a right-wing hack and you're an embarrassment. I hope you move to Russia. I really do. Move to Russia, stay in Russia, or live in Afghanistan. Get the hell out of this country because you don't represent me and you don't represent this country. Well, that's for sure. Again, that number to call, 702-221-7281. Or, I'm sorry, 7283. And again, that number if you want to be a part of the conversation, 702-221. 221-7283. And Chris, I want to get your thoughts on this too when we come back from break. I want to take a quick break and then we'll take some more of your calls on the other side at 221-7283. Hear from Chris and get his reaction to, to my statements. And also, uh, Mr. Johnson back at it again. I'm talking about Senator Ron Johnson uh, pulling a page from the Tom Cotton playbook. We'll play that audio for you as well when we come back and take your calls on the other side at 221-7283. You're listening to Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. Hey, everybody, are you struggling to find a pizza place that reminds you of Brooklyn, that true blue New York-style pie? Well, worry no more. Stallone's Italian Eatery Pizza is a knockout. We're located at 467 East Silverado Ranch Boulevard, just off of Premier Road, half a mile east of South Point Casino, just minutes from the Las Vegas Strip. Come by and grab a slice of pie. Plus, check out our Brooklyn-inspired Italian cuisine. Our sandwiches are super hero, that is, because why be a sub? When you can be a hero. Stallone's Italian Eatery is here to serve you phenomenal food, Vegas. Forget about it. 
best of Las Vegas winners each of the last two years. Glazed Donuts is a family business. Taste the passion and quality in each delectable handmade donut. Experience amazing fresh donuts at Glazed Donuts, located at 6545 South Fort Apache Road on the southwest corner of Sunset. Glaze is open every day from 6 a.m. to 3 p.m. If you're interested in large orders, please call them at 702-246-2888. Follow Glaze on Facebook and Instagram, where they're showing off all their delicious treats. And check them out at glazedonutslv.com. Hey, you want to be part of one of the fastest growing radio shows in Las Vegas? Now's your chance. Radio advertising remains the most effective promotional channels for advertisers. And now you have the opportunity of a lifetime to be part of an exciting new show, Pushing the Limits, hosted by Brian Shapiro. We have multiple sales opportunities, prices to fit your budget, live reads, live remotes, you name it, we can do it. So give us a call at 702 576-0493. Oh, did I forget to mention, we'll be speaking about entertainment, sports, and a little bit of politics. So again, there's limited spots. Give us a call when you get a chance. 702 576 All right, welcome back. Pushing the Limits right here on KSHB. Thanks for joining us on a Monday. We just had Paul McCleary on the line from Politico, defense reporter. How weird is that, huh? Putin meeting with government officials 25 feet away from them. That's that's kind of crazy. He knows. He knows that even some of his own people probably want him killed. He's being very cautious. Um, but at the same time, I'm not going to compliment him like our former president did and call him smart, savvy, and all these other things. And I certainly wouldn't be a politician uh, not speaking out and saying that what Trump said was wrong. Uh, speaking of what somebody might say that's wrong, uh, Chris, we just mentioned, you know, we talked about Tom Cotton, who is a complete buffoon. Uh, Senator Ron Johnson is another complete idiot. Uh, by the way, after the January 6th insurrection, Ron Johnson said that it was uh, Antifa that was responsible. Uh, Ron Johnson has repeatedly uh, done what many people on the alt-right do, and that's undermine the seriousness of COVID, undermine what took place on January 6th, and take every opportunity to go after uh, minorities. In this case, I'm talking about Black Lives Matter. That's Ron Johnson. It's a page from the Marjorie Taylor Greene playbook. So what is Ron Johnson doing now? Well, let me first tell you what he said a week, uh, week and a half ago. He said he didn't believe Vladimir Putin was going to invade the Ukraine. Ron Johnson is on the record as saying that. Here's what Ron Johnson said over the weekend. Wanting to live in peace and freedom. Um, but I think we do need to take a look at uh, what all led up to this. Uh, I don't think Vladimir Putin would have moved on Ukraine were it not for the weakness displayed uh, certainly by the Biden administration, but also by the West in general. And I'm certainly hoping that uh, Colonel Vidman, uh, Adam Schiff, Nancy Pelosi, who use Ukraine as a pawn in their impeachment uh, travesty, are also recognizing, reflecting how they weakened Ukraine, uh, weakened the West, weakened America by the divisive politics that they play. Uh, th- th- there's, there's much blame to go around, but in terms of the atrocities, that, that falls squarely on the shoulders of Vladimir Putin and his cronies. Yeah, there you go, Senator uh, Johnson. Blame Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi. That, that's, that's very logical. 
with with no effort at all in actually speaking truth. You're the idiot who just said two weeks ago you didn't think this was going to happen. Now it does happen, and you're blaming Joe Biden for it. Uh, folks, I give up. The number to call, 702-221-7283. Again, 221-7283. Chris, your reaction after hearing that. So, Brian, after hearing the responses, uh, both from Ron Johnson and also from uh, Senator Cotton as well, too, it is, it is abundantly clear, particularly with Senator Johnson, that intelligence and uh, being smart is absolutely not a requirement for working in public service or being in the United States government. Ron Johnson has said many things that are just absolutely moronic and and exposes himself as an imbecile on a regular basis. So I'll start by saying that. I also uh, point out, too, and look, you talked about it. You posed the question to the listeners, okay? And I'm going to pose a question to you, kind of a rhetorical question that I'll just answer for you, okay? Ask yourself... Why is Tom Cotton doing this? Okay, why is he coming out? Easy answer. It's the easy answer is is because he is afraid of the Donald Trump base that's still out there. Mm-hmm. Right? That's exactly why. And by the way, Ron Johnson is too. All of these Republican, you know, uh, public officials, okay, and and politicians coming out when they're saying things and when they're taking the stances that they're taking, you can absolutely circle it back. Yep. To they do not want to alienate that Trump base that is still out there. Look, Donald Trump hasn't been president now for over a year. Okay, he is in my in my humble opinion never going to be a public servant ever again. He's never going to be running for office. He might run for office again, but now I you know it's my opinion he's never going to be a factor when it comes to politics ever again. Yet he still has a hold. He is still the figurehead of the Republican Party, and therefore he has a base out there, okay, that is existent. And so these people are absolutely pandering. That is the entire reason why someone like Tom Cotton would say what he said. And it's the entire reason why Ron Johnson takes the position he takes. It's not it's not because they're logical, it's not because they make sense. It's yeah. because purely about and that, politics. And that is the definition of a coward, in my right. personal opinion. All right, let's go to the phone line, 702-221-7283. Let's go to Travis. Travis, what's going on, man? Hello? Yeah, hi, Travis. Go ahead. I recently realized that the essence of anything is that it stays true about them in any situation. And the essence of a penguin is similar to the essence of me. We're both consistent. But their essence is so much more than that. They need each other. They look out for the good of the call. Uh, so explain to me uh, a comparison, penguin comparison yeah. to himself, and then I don't really okay. not understand I, I don't it. But uh, yeah, that could have been uh, that, that was a crank yankers, a little bit of crank yanker action right that there, was, right? That was, right? That, that was a, a strange. Yeah. Uh, Analogy? Would you would you call that an analogy? I don't know. I think it was an attempted yeah. analogy, and then yeah. trying to yeah, tie it weird. to what was we weird. were talking about. But hey, two two one seven two eight three is the number to call. Let's go to John. John is next up on pushing the limits. What's up, John? Hey, man. What's up, boy? What a uh, what what the hell's going on with these Republicans, man? I mean, I've told you this a hundred times. I voted for Ronald. Ronald Reagan would bitch slap all these clowns. I mean, it's just. Absolutely disgraceful. And, you know, the only rationale, I mean, Ronald Reagan is the one who stood up there and said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. And for him to see these clowns, these fools, cheering on Putin, he would he would have a heart attack. I mean, yeah. he'd kick some ass and then he'd have a heart attack and die. What is amazing to me is that there are so few on the right that won't call out Donald Trump. Uh, what's a, you know? You know, at least at a minimum, you don't even have to call out Donald Trump. Just say, 
I don't agree with his comments. At least if yeah, if Cotton, like, right? Am I am I wrong, John? If Cotton in that interview says, more, "Listen, I disagree with Donald Trump's comments." At least we're probably not talking about him now. But he wouldn't even go that far to do that, right? It's disgraceful. It's more. It's more than Donald Trump. It's it's who they are at their core, man. And and, and the support from Putin for Putin is based on white supremacy. It's it's just, it boggles my mind to think. Look, man, I've actually given thought to leaving this country. This fellowship of hate. Turn on any white ring radio station, and in an instant, within five minutes, someone will express very substantial hate towards towards a Democrat. There's nothing Joe Biden can do that would be praised by anybody Agree. on the right. Agree, and I'll even I'll even take it a step further. What you're saying, John. Uh, a guy like a Tom Cotton will be the first one to go after the Black Lives Matter movement. A guy like uh, Senator Ron Johnson will be the first one to go after Black Lives Matter. Donald Trump was basically the first person. He'll go after any Democrat. But when it comes to an evil, murderous dictator, he'll go after people who have served this country. Look at what he said about John McCain. He said evil things about John McCain. I don't respect him because he was captured. But when it comes to an evil, murderous dictator like Putin, he's smart, he's savvy, and he shows evil, murderous dictators even more than respect. He sends them love letters, John. Love letters. Brian, I don't know if you saw this, but I just saw it like an hour ago. Two people accosted Sisolak trying to have dinner with his wife. These are these are white. I mean, I don't know who they are, but they boy, they sure seem to fit all the stereotypes we're talking about right now. Please, please spend at least an hour on this. Look, I've said this before to you too. I think we're headed towards the '60s, man. I think there's going to be some assassinations. This fever is not these white supremacist idiots. Yeah. Put Tucker Carlson number one on that list, by the way, John. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and look, man, it's a, a damn Australian did this to us, Rupert Murdoch, and Limbaugh, and Hannity, and Trump. Trump. Trump doesn't believe it. He's just capitalizing on it. He's smart enough to know what the what the pulse of the base is, and he, he just he just fans the flames. He, yeah. he doesn't have a core. His only core position is what's best I'm for with me. You. Uh, John, I'm with you 100%. Go ahead, Chris. Okay, so and to John and Brian, look, I, I'm going to make you guys even mad right now, okay? Because, look, John started the phone call off, and you're exactly right, John. What is going on with Republicans right now, right? Well, let me tell you something. There's this idea out there, okay, that just in a matter of months— in the midterms, that there's going to be a red wave in this country. How I don't under, How is that dynamic even possible, okay, where we are sitting here and we are bringing up legitimate concerns about actual Republicans that are in office, and these, these people that are on the right, they think that this country is going to start, it's going to all of a sudden swing far to the right, and it's going to be a bunch of Republicans again taking over the government, right, as far as they're going to be the ones in charge after the 2022 midterms. To me, it is absolutely baffling that mm. they think this is the direction the United States of America should yeah. go and can go. Thank you for the call, John. By the way, the only yeah. thing that's turning red right now is Chris's face in studio. I mean, it's just, I mean, think about that, though. <laughs> think about that. For the last, what, six months, all we've been hearing from Republicans, right, and those on the right, oh, yeah, because Biden's been such a disaster and Democrat policies have just destroyed us over yeah. the last year. Yeah. So the midterms, what's it going to be? It's going to be a red wave. They're going to take over. They're yeah. going to retake, retake the House representatives, right? Yeah. They're going to. Re- it's it's it, and all of a sudden now it's going to go back to what it was during the Trump administration, as far yeah. as them being in control of everything. Yeah. It is absolutely a joke yep. and makes no sense. Thank you for the call, John. And uh, I agree with everything yeah. you said. 
while I don't necessarily believe that everybody that compliments Donald Trump and everybody that compliments Vladimir Putin is a white supremacist, I wouldn't make that statement. White supremacy is certainly an issue in this country. And when, you know, Tucker Carlson and those on the far right uh, say that the idea of white supremacy is a hoax, they're either one of two things. They're either ignorant, completely ignorant, or they're white supremacist sympathizers, and I guess you could add a sprinkle of just want ratings and, and, and I want my base to uh, – I'm going to say what my base wants me to hear. Uh, so the question, again, I'm asking the listeners is this. It's very simple. You know, when we have an evil, murderous dictator that invades a country with a lot of innocent people for really the only reason of just I want more power, I want my country to be bigger because people can make all the excuses they want. That's really the only reason why Vladimir Putin's doing this. This is an ill-advised war that should have never happened. And it, the only reason why it's happening is because of Vladimir Putin. Mark my words, the majority of the people in, this, in the, his country do not want him to do this. They're suffering as well. So I'm not going to make a blatant statement that all oh, these people in Russia, they support Vladimir Putin because they don't. They're scared. They're afraid. But are you OK with people? What, what, where are we at now in society where it's OK to praise an evil, murderous dictator? And everybody seems to be okay with that because Donald Trump is is the leader of the party. Regardless of what anybody says, he's still the leader of the Republican Party. He's the former president, but he's still the leader of the party. And now we have Tom Cotton who won't even disagree with Donald Trump. I mean, I almost feel like if Donald Trump said he hated a race, a specific race, and if Tom Cotton was asked about that, he would say, well, I don't speak for him. He wouldn't denounce it. There are certain people in the Republican Party that won't denounce it. The number to call, what are your thoughts on this? Does this not bother you? Because if it doesn't bother you, I also want to hear from you. Do you have no issues with anybody praising a murderous, evil dictator as innocent people are dying in the Ukraine? Do you have no problem with that? The number to call is 702-221-7283. And again, that number, if you want to be a part of Pushing the Limits, phone lines open at 221 Seven two eight three. But Brian, is this something that really surprises you? This is no. something that's been going on for years, and and, and by talking about recent years, the last five six years, with respect to Donald Trump, Republicans across the board, it seems like they have a zipper across their lip anytime Donald Trump or somebody uh, on the right or somebody period as an American says something that uh, that they support. They absolutely just go mum on the subject. It's not something that's brand new. It's just something that uh, obviously we're talking about uh, a a conflict here, a war between the between Ukraine and Russia right now that has ramifications across the globe. And so it's a monstrous story and a monstrous deal. And you brought up Vladimir Putin. Look. Flat out right now, Vladimir Putin already has blood on his hands. Look, it's Vladimir Putin, so he's had blood on he's his hands. He's poisoned his own for, people. For decades. But, but there are, there's been innocent civilians and children that have already died just in the last week because of this conflict that did not have to happen. This war did not have to be a reality. The only reason it is is because of one man, not an entire country, one man, that's Vladimir Putin. Yeah. And, uh, you know, U.K. Prime Minister Boris Johnson, uh, meanwhile, in the last uh, half an hour or so, is urging world leaders to keep up the pressure on Putin while all this is going on. Also, France is moving its embassy uh, out of Kiev. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. I pronounce a lot of things wrong. But uh, more than 120,000 people have fled Ukraine's western border just in the past 24 hours. You know, and uh, some people are going to say that these sanctions are a big step. I I don't necessarily think they are because it's only a big step to me if it deters Putin. I got to tell you, the people of the Ukraine, the military, they are tough. And while they don't have the artillery and some of the means that Russia has, they are putting up one hell of a fight. These are tough people and they are putting up one hell of a fight, even in the biggest of tragedies. Right. 
It could be October 1 in Las Vegas. It could be 9-11. Or in this case, it could be an evil, murderous dictator in Vladimir Putin invading another country, one of our allies. There always seems to be people that try to score political points. There always seems to be people that want to attack one side of the aisle. Now listen, after October 1 happened, I criticized anybody who thought those types of weapons of war were a good thing. But that wasn't political. That wasn't political at all. I don't care. There are reasonable Republicans out there that agree with me that there are certain types of weapons that shouldn't be out there on the streets. So it's not a left-right thing to me. Although, it, you know, it, to, to me, it was just, okay, we got to do something about this as human beings. Look at all these people that died October 1. And that was a fair conversation to have. And again, nothing was done. Nothing was done in the school shooting in Connecticut when you have a bunch of seven- and eight-year-old kids that are basically decapitated and our politicians can't get together and do anything. Then, you know, I guess we shouldn't have been surprised. But to me, what is taking place right here and what took place October 1, the NRA – pushing more weapons. More weapons are the answer, which was absurd. They tried to sell more weapons after October 1 and after a tragedy. And what's happening here? That was a political ploy. And people on the right attacking Joe Biden, blaming what took place on the Ukraine on his administration, which is so beyond asinine. It's so beyond asinine. And I guarantee you, with a 100% stamp on it, that if this happened under Donald Trump, he would continue to be praising Vladimir Putin. He would continue to be praising him. How could you – by the way, every former president has spoken out about this. That's alive. Jimmy Carter has spoken out about it. Barack Obama has spoken out about it. George W. Bush has spoken out about it. And they all collectively are basically saying the same things. Putin's evil. What he did was you know, an atrocity, a war crime. They're all saying it. The only person that isn't is Donald Trump. What does that tell you about Donald Trump, and what does it tell you about his base and so many of these Republicans out there that will not even disagree with him, let alone criticize? I'll toss this at you, Brian, and I'll toss it to the listeners as well. This is a game that we used to play on the other show that we used to do, okay? And it's a very clear example of the hypocrisy that's taken place in this country over the past number of years, okay? And that game is this. You can play the game, what if this U.S. president, and plug in the name, had said this, talking about Donald Trump's remarks that he's made just in the last week regarding our country, regarding Vladimir Putin, and regarding the conflict between Ukraine and Russia. You plug in, I don't know, Bill Clinton. Plug in him saying what Donald Trump said at CPAC over the weekend. Plug in Jimmy Carter, what he if he said what Donald Trump had said at CPAC over the weekend. And then, of course... Plug in, you know, obviously Barack Obama, the most recent Mm -hmm. Democratic president, Democrat president in this country. Plug in if Barack Obama had made the comments regarding Vladimir Putin at CPAC or anywhere else for that matter that Donald Trump has made recently regarding Vladimir Putin. It would absolutely be a firestorm. People on the right, conservatives in this country would be going ballistic. They'd be going nuts. They'd be going crazy. So, I mean, it's as simple as that. You know, game, set, match, in my opinion, Brian, okay? When we're talking about this topic of hypocrisy and political discourse in this country, it's disheartening, it's beyond disheartening, and I look, I don't know how to fix it. I don't know if it can be fixed, but uh, there is every reason to be upset with 
how we handle this situation here in the United States from a political standpoint. I mean, it's hard for me to have hope when I see people in one political party defend. I mean, I, I'm at a loss for it, sir. Not only defend, but fail to criticize or disagree with the former president of the United States, who, regardless of what people might say, he is the leader of the Republican Party. I mean, how can we get things done when you have a man who is unhinged, clearly, uh, saying ridiculous and, and wild and crazy things, by the way, after we learned that Putin invaded Ukraine? It'd be bad enough if he did this before, but after. I mean, it's just disgusting. A uh, comment from Joe Biden, uh, who we just released on uh, social media, he said, quote, I spoke today with allies and partners to discuss Russia's unprovoked war on the Ukraine. We are continuing our support for the Ukrainian people as they defend their country and affirmed our readiness to keep imposing severe costs on Russia if they do not de-escalate. Now, that's all fine, and I think Joe Biden is saying all the right things, and I'm not going to you know, criticize him for that. That's all fine and dandy, Chris, but I don't know if you agree with me on this, so I'll say it again. The only thing that is going to deter Vladimir Putin is if he is killed, if he is murdered. You can do everything you want as far as sanctions go. Clearly, the only way that affects a president is if he truly cares about his own people. He's poisoned his own people. So he has all the money and the means in the world, and he's willing to die, clearly, for for what he's doing. So we have to take him out. And when I say we, I am not just saying the United States. Okay? It could be, be a coalition. This right? is yeah. Right, exactly. That's exactly what I'm saying. This should be a coalition. It shouldn't just be us. Okay, It should be everybody involved with NATO. Now, I'm not saying publicly. They should be saying publicly right now, we're going to take you out. That's not what I'm saying. And maybe behind closed doors, maybe they are saying that. We don't know. I don't have all the – I don't have much intelligence. I think most people would agree on that. But you know, that's the bottom line here. Okay, let's go back to the uh, phone lines again. The number to call if you want to be a part of the program, 702-221-7283. Let's go to David. David is next on Pushing the Limits. What's going on, David? What's going on, Brian? What's going on, Chris? Been a long time. I, I didn't know where you guys were. I just came across you on the radio here. Well, now you know, my friend. Now you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I won't miss it now. I've been, I've been searching for you because there's nothing but right-wing lunacy on the other radio stations. You, you guys know. <laughs> yes, you're right about that. So, Listen, you're talking about this, you know, uh, plug in a Democrat, if a Democrat had said this, you know, think about after 9-11 when, when all the, I don't remember this, like, I think every member of the House of Representatives, Democrat or Republican, went out on the steps of the Congress and saying, God bless America together to show the country, like, unity. And you remember how unified the country got? It was like, you know, all of a sudden George Bush had like a 90-something percent approval rating. Can you imagine if today, if, if anything, God forbid, like a terrorist attack happened in our country, do you think any Republican would sort of try to rally the country or, hey, we support Biden? They would run straight to the Fox News, the Newsmax or whatever, talking about this is Joe, we're weak because of Joe Biden. Right away, immediately, anything goes wrong anywhere, it's all Joe Biden's fault. No nuance, no explanation of anything going on. It's just all reflexively Joe Biden bad, Joe Biden weak. And that's where we are as a country. It's it's really bad place that we are. I really feel that we're in a bad place as a country. I agree with you. It doesn't matter. You know, people on the right would make the argument. It didn't matter what good things Donald Trump did. All the left said was bad, bad, bad. Listen, we wanted to give him a lot of credit for the vaccines. We yeah, want, uh, you know, vaccines. and I have no problem in doing so. I wish he was more proactive with it. Uh, did, did some of his policies work? Absolutely. Yeah. But but. But I, I agree with you, David, 150%. Uh, Chris, besides maybe Liz Cheney or Mitt Romney or Adam Kinzinger, right. I could name maybe a few more Republicans. Heck, 
I can't believe I'm going to admit this. Even Mitch McConnell at times has criticized Donald Trump. It's rare, but the useless turtle does uh, criticize Trump from time to time. Chris, do you agree with David? I mean, this, he's right. If we had a horrible another 9-11 in this country, which I pray to God we don't, uh, all the blame would be put on Joe Biden. You know, all of it. Yeah. Right. Well, I, I agree with David, absolutely, and he kind of goes down the road, which I was going to bring up, this, this topic. You talk about uh, what we, uh, the way that we kind of portray our leaders, right, on an on international stage. That's really been blown out of the water, and it was done with Donald Trump, right? Remember uh, our, our uh, reporter from Politico that we just had on? Yep. He talked about it usually, you know, it, it, when it comes to criticizing your, your home country, yep. it ends at the water's edge, right? When you leave the country, for example, the president leaves the country, you know, it's just, it's just uh, standard uh, acceptance that you're not going to just blast uh, public officials in your country when you're overseas, right? Donald Trump blew that all away, right? Donald Trump would go over and was blasting Democrats left and right. When he was overseas, yeah. right? You agree so, with that, David? So essentially, yeah. destroy. I want to yeah. say something. That's a really good point you make, Chris. Yeah. I want to say something else about that. You know, those those sort of traditions and norms mm-hmm. that have been blown out of the water. There's a reason they were around a long time. It's kind of good traditions and good norms. You know, started with, you know, whoever loses the election concedes. Whoever loses the election goes to the inauguration of the next person. Hundred percent. Whoever loses yeah. the election doesn't doesn't keep doing rallies after that. You know, to kind of calm down the temperature to say, hey, you know what? Time to move on. This guy's in charge now. The, the former president doesn't speak out. You remember George Bush? You didn't hear anything from him after he left office. You didn't hear anything from 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 Barack Obama much during Trump. Not at Trump, all. You're right. Rallies and every day, multiple interviews, and and this is where we are. And it's just it's just we're in a bad, bad, bad place. Yeah. Brian, David, David, spot obliterating on. Those, those, obliterating all those norms that, that have been around so long that, that Trump has done. You know, like I said started with not conceding the election and all the damage yeah. that done, but but just this now yeah. we're like. Every single day. You just, make – David, you, you made know. you made such a – by the way, David, good to hear from you, and, and please call back anytime. Now that you know where I am, baby, pushing the limits. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I will. Thanks, I will. David. I, it's good to hear from you, my friend, and I, and I appreciate the call. David just made a great point. Folks, I want you to think about this. When Barack Obama won the presidency in the first four years – How many times did he blame George W. Bush for stuff? How many times did you hear him in a speech talk about the last administration in a negative way? No, I'll tell you what Barack Obama did. When he left office, he invited Donald Trump to the White House because he has class. And that's what I want from a president. No human being is perfect. Joe Biden is not perfect. But he does have some decency in his family. There's no question about it. He is a decent man. How many times do you hear Donald Trump talking about Joe Biden? How many times do you hear him talking about Democrats in a negative light? And then how many times in the last, oh, five, six years have you heard him say anything negative about Vladimir Putin, who just invaded another country and innocent people are dying, including a story I just mentioned of a six-year-old girl that was killed? Folks, it's, it's heartbreaking. It's terrible. But I'm going to continue to cover this. And the hypocrisy that we see from the right every single day. Is there some hypocrisy on the left? Absolutely. And if I see it on the left, I will gladly share that with you. But right now we're seeing it from the right. Praise of Vladimir Putin and failing to call out Donald Trump for his disgusting remarks. All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to jump topics. Boy, what a segue going from (laughs) Vladimir Putin and a war to UNLV basketball. But, you know, that's what we do here on Pushing the Limits. We push the limits. All right. He's Chris Wynn. Joining me in studio, me and Chris are going to uh, talk a little UNLV hoops coming up next. Uh, tough loss against Boise State. Hey, folks, we are about to enter March Madness. This is my favorite time of the year for sports. I absolutely love it. 
I was going to say Major League Baseball around the corner, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen. That's another story for another show. All right, we'll take a quick break. Break down UNLV hoops. Do they really have a legitimate chance of winning the Mountain West Conference Tournament? We'll both give our opinions on that. Coming up next, you're listening to Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. All right, welcome back. It is Pushing the Limits right here on KSHB. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, we got Jeff Grammer, Albuquerque Journal, uh, kind of a preview of the Mountain West Conference. He covers New Mexico, but he does a great job covering the Mountain West uh, Conference basketball, so he'll be joining us at the bottom of the hour. Uh, before we get to UNLV, I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, I have, to enjoy, I have to have fun with this conversation when it comes to the Lakers. Folks, the Lakers are just absolutely horrible. They are an embarrassment to Magic Johnson, James Worthy, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Pat Riley, and all the great Lakers uh, You know, uh, back in the day. Uh, they're an embarrassment. And you know, I understand that this is not all on LeBron James. Anthony Davis has certainly not worked out. Russell Westbrook has definitely not worked out. But Rob Palenka has made a lot of bad basketball decisions. There's no question. Palenka has made a lot of... He's bad at what he does. He has not done a good job. He needs to go. Uh, that being said, they need a new coaching staff. Okay, They're not getting it done either. And stop this nonsense about how this guy won all these games in Indiana. It's not working in L.A. Got to go. Anthony Davis needs to go. He is a butterfly. He is very fragile. Like some of my friends in the radio business in Las Vegas. He's very fragile. Um, Davis needs to go. Westbrook is not even a starter on the Lakers. He should be off the bench. I mean, it, it, it's a total embarrassment what this team... And by the way, yesterday they played the Pelicans. And by the way, Numchuck, just to let you know, um, when Chris Wynn is on a cold streak, he doesn't just lose one or two in a row or three in a row. I can't even remember the last time I lost three in a row. He loses like 10 in a row or 15 in a row. Now, he gets hot sometimes too. But when he gets on the cold streak, I just bet the opposite. So yesterday before we have dinner, I said, Chris, who are you taking in this Laker game? He says, I'm going to take the Lakers, bro. I'm going to take the Lakers. I said, okay. So I don't just blind bet. I go on and I, I look at the Pelicans and I look at the fact that the Pelicans just beat the Phoenix Suns on the road. Phoenix Suns are a good team. I know they're without Chris Paul, but they're still really good. And the Pelicans destroyed Phoenix on the road. So that told me right there. There's no way I'm taking the Lakers in this game. Uh, so I took the Pelicans at plus two and a half, and they, uh, I felt like they won by 50. I don't know. What did they win by, 20 or 25? Uh, they were up by 30 multiple times yeah, throughout yeah. the game. Throughout the game, multiple It was an embarrassment. Did you see that fast break uh, pass that DeAndre Jordan made in the game? People were mocking it on Twitter. I mean, that People was... were putting up the gift, Brian, of, uh, of a major league when, uh, you, when you got to the announcer in there. Oh, just a bit outside. <laughs> Because that ball was launched into what the fifteenth yeah. or twentieth yeah. row, yeah. That's in the, why in the Crypto.com arena. Yeah, that's why the Clippers, in a nice way, said they didn't know how to properly utilize DeAndre Jordan because he can't make free throws. He's slow. Yes, he's a shot blocker if he's in the right spot. Uh, doesn't have the best eye hand coordination. I'll say that. Uh, that pass was like eighth row. I mean, that pass was almost in the cheap seats. And in LA, those tickets are very expensive. Uh, there were a lot of boos uh, at that game, and you don't hear that a lot in LA. Uh, usually it was the Clippers back in the day <laughs> that got all the booze. Billy Crystal was the only one standing up and clapping. Uh, Jack Nicholson uh, doesn't go to many games anymore, and this Lakers organization is a disaster. Now, people like, listen, my friend Marcus Banks, who I just texted me, he's listening. My friend Marcus Banks 
thinks that LeBron James is the best player of all time. Now, with all due respect to Marcus Banks, I respect his opinions, but he's just wrong. Okay, It's not even close. I don't even put LeBron James as a top five player. First of all, if you're Michael Jordan and you're playing with an all-star in Anthony Davis, you're playing with an all-star in Russell Westbrook. These guys are still all-stars. Let's not say that these guys are bench players. Davis is, is still a great player. Westbrook is a triple-double guy. He's not playing very well, but he's, he's not being utilized well. That could be coaching as well. You're supposed to be the best player in the history of basketball, and your team might not even make the playoffs with two other All-Stars? Are you kidding me? I think he's top five, though. He's top. He's five or six. Even, even right so. Right now, Marcus, Marcus is listening. He's, he's probably going, going ballistic right now. Even head, so. Hearing you say this. Chris, even. But look, he's not number one. Chris. Okay? LeBron James is not the best Chris, player of Chris. all time. Kobe Bryant would not have allowed this to happen with two other well, All Stars. You're talking on about his players team. that I have in my okay. top five, though. Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant's in my Larry top five. Bird would not have allowed this to happen. Larry Bird's not in my top five. Okay, regardless, I'm telling LeBron you, LeBron James is better than LeBron. Okay. Larry Bird. I'm telling you, there are certain guys where you bring up their name. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is another one. He's a top three guy. Okay, yeah. he would not have allowed this to happen. So this nonsense, and by the way, LeBron looked terrible. Listen, you look at his stat sheet, right? What did he score? 32? People are going to look at the, well, it wasn't LeBron's fault. Did you see the, main, the, the baskets that he scored? Most of them were in the second half. They were layups and uncontested dunks and, and free throws. And the guy cries every time he takes the ball to the basket. He cries. I'm just so sick of it. I'm sick of it. The Lakers yeah. suck. And so, I'm a, I grew up, hold on, I grew up a Boston Celtics <laughs> fan. I love it. I love the fact that the Lakers are struggling. I love the fact that they suck. And you know what? They did it to themselves. And not to say that the Boston Celtics are a powerhouse in the East, because they're not, but they're definitely in a better situation right now than the Lakers are in. LeBron ain't getting any younger. Anthony Davis is not working out. They're going to have to find a deal to, to wheel and trade. they got to get rid of him. Russell Westbrook, if under the right coach, can work out in L.A. It hasn't because they're not. First of all, what are they running on offense? Can you please explain to me what the Lakers are running on offense? Let's give the ball to LeBron and let's you know and everybody else get out of the way. That ain't gonna work. That's not gonna cut it. These guys can't shoot either. They don't have guys that can shoot the ball. I mean, this is this is a team that I'm talking best case scenario, and this probably this might not happen. Best case scenario, they make they make the playoffs and they get bounced in the first round. That's the best case scenario. They're not gonna even beat Phoenix without Chris Paul. I don't think. So, I mean, listen, if you're a Laker fan right now, you got to feel a lot better if you're a Clipper fan than a Laker fan right now. First of all, with Kawhi Leonard, when that team is healthy, they're a good basketball team. Uh, the Lakers, I don't care how healthy they are, not going to get it done. Davis uh, gets hurt every other game. LeBron is not getting any younger. He was grimacing a lot yesterday, too. And Russell Westbrook, to me, I don't know what is going through his head, but he has no confidence. He doesn't... He doesn't even shoot the ball when he's open from 15, 20 feet. This is Russell Westbrook we're talking about. It's amazing the spot we are in right now when it comes to Laker Nation, given that this was a franchise and a team that at the beginning of this season was talked about in the mix of the teams that could win an NBA championship. And now we're at a point now where they're sitting, what, number nine, I think, in the Western Conference and are teetering on the possibility of not making the postseason. So uh, I completely concur. It's a dumpster fire in Los Angeles, which I'm sure in, you know, uh, just infuriates Laker fans to no end. But uh, I push back a little bit on uh, your comments regarding Russell Westbrook. You said he shouldn't be a starter. Russell Westbrook, when he's, at, when he's, on, look, when he's on his game, he's absolutely a, uh, he's an MVP when was the last so time I don't know why. On, when was the last time he's, he was on his game? He's definitely a starter. When was okay? the last time he was on his okay, game? Okay, so who's going to start a point guard for the Lakers instead okay. of Russell Westbrook? So here's my point, and here's why I'm making that statement. Well, I'm, just, I'm, I'm, just I'm trying to tell you. Okay. As a head coach, 
You need to make decisions, and you need to say you need to hold players accountable. Now, nobody respects this guy on that Laker team. You see him in the huddle, and LeBron's looking like he's got severe ADD. Uh, you got guys in the huddle that aren't even been. In. Listen, nobody respects this guy. No respects Russell Westbrook. No, I'm talking about the head coach. Oh, you're of the talking, Los about, Frank Vogel? Okay. talking well, about Frank Vogel. Okay, Frank Vogel. Listen, yeah. this is a coaching decision. I'm not saying sit Russell Westbrook for yeah. a month or even two weeks. What I'm saying is, if you're Frank Vogel, you know that Russell Westbrook's play has been beyond unacceptable the last couple months. Sit him one game. It's a statement. In the grand scheme of things, it doesn't mean anything, but it's a statement to your team. You know you're going to get flack from fans. You're going to get flack from Russell Westbrook. You make a statement that we're trying something different today. I'm telling you, motivational tactic. It might not work, but it might work. At this point, he has nothing to lose. Make a statement. There are coaches in the NBA that have done this from time to time. It doesn't last very long because I agree with you. Yes, is Russell Westbrook a starter? Yes. What I'm saying is Frank Vogel is the wrong guy for this job. Okay, I believe if Phil Jackson was coaching this team back in the day, he would have done that. He would have made a one-game statement and said, you know what? This isn't a one-week thing with Russell Westbrook where he struggled. This is like a two- or a three-month thing. Let's sit him out for a game or two. Let's and you know what? Maybe, just maybe, Westbrook comes off the bench and he starts playing well again. Maybe it inspires him. I don't know. All I'm saying is Vogel needs to do something. Have you seen any adjustments that Frank Vogel has made with the LA Lakers that would lead you to believe that he's the right guy for the job? Brian, you see, you see me sitting right next to you here, okay? And I've been w- with you numerous times watching Los Angeles Lakers games. You're not going to hear any apologies from me for Frank Vogel, okay? You, I am more so than you am uh, not on the Frank Vogel train, okay? So I'm not going to be you know, making excuses whatsoever for him as a coach and, and the decisions he's made. I mean, Do you that disagree said, with that? I don't disagree. I'm, one, I'm, I'm one agreeing game. with you. One game. We're, we're in the same boat okay, here. Okay, so you agree. Frank Vogel. One game not but, starting. But, but Russell Westbrook, I mean, look. One there's game. A lot of, there's a lot of problems with the Lakers. I don't know if I even put Russell Westbrook, you know, as far as the totem pole. I don't even put him. I don't think I put him on the top two as far as the reasons why they're having issues in Los Angeles. I think there's much bigger things going on there that uh, don't have anything to do with him. But. Okay, well, I think he's a big part of it. I think Anthony Davis is a big part. I think management is a big part of it. I think coaching is a big part of it. He's certainly a part of it. When they brought Russell Westbrook in, he was supposed to be the guy to get him over the hump. And, and, and I could make the argument that Rajon Rondo brought him out of the Lakers uh, on a consistent basis than Russell Westbrook did, which is, by the way, ridiculous. But but anyway. All right, let's switch topics now. Let's go UNLV. By the way, I love talking. I, I love the, these distressed Laker fans. It makes me feel so Well, yeah, inside. we do because you're you know a Celtics fan and I'm a Pistons you know fan. What I so, do? of course, we love it. You know what you I know? do? You know what I do? When um, when I want to gloat, I, yeah. I have a couple Celtics jerseys. Besides my Larry Bird jersey, I'll put on that Xavier McDaniel jersey. Oh, geez. And I'll say, your Lakers suck, bro. Uh, you know, they suck. And and I just, I love, because... Do you have an AC Earl jersey? I don't. I don't. I have a nervous Purvis Ellison jersey. <laughs> uh, so I texted my friend uh, Miguel, who uh, he's an actor who played uh, Juana Man in the movie Juana yes. Man. He's an actor. Very funny guy. And I, I texted him something that I can't say on the radio, but I said, your Lakers suck. And then I, um, I, I, can't, I can't finish the sentence because I don't want to get anybody in trouble. But I did say that. And then he sent me, uh, what do you call it? You call it an emoji, right? Is that, is that what you would call it? Uh, uh, if it's meme. an emoji, that's exactly what yeah, I would yeah. call it. Uh, yeah. He sent me a, uh, 
He sent me an X-rated. I don't know. I'm not very savvy when it comes to stuff. He sent me an X-rated emoji, which was very funny. Anyway, I'll leave it yeah. at that. But he agrees, and he sits courtside at all the Laker games. By the way, I'll name drop. I did go with his friend Vivek A. Fox courtside to a Laker game a few months ago. I will. I will name drop. Love me some Vivek A. Fox. Oh, she's she's so awesome, especially she, Independence Day Vivek A. Fox. Agree- circa yes. 1998. Oh yes, she's very beautiful yeah. and, and an awesome person. All right, let's switch topics. Uh, speaking of awesome. Um, I haven't used that term a lot to describe UNLV basketball over the last 10 years since Lon Kruger left. But Kevin, Are Kruger, you going to that, use that term now? Kevin Kruger <laughs> has done an awesome job. Okay. Um, I think Kevin Kruger, uh, he's got these guys to buy into what they're doing defensively. They play very hard. The game was really exciting on Saturday night. Uh, the Thomas and Mack was very loud. It was a really good, exciting basketball game. Yes, UNLV lost. And they lost because Boise State's a better team. It's not because UNLV played poorly. It's not because they didn't play hard. Boise State has more veteran players. They have more offensive weapons. And UNLV uh, was up with 14 minutes to go. I think, you know, if you ask Kevin Kruger before the game and you said, hey, Kev, you guys are going to be up with 14 minutes to go at home, I think Kevin would have taken that. Uh, big players made big plays down the stretch in that game. So you got to give Boise State credit. I'm going to say this right now on the show. I believe Boise State, the Broncos, will win the Mountain West Conference Tournament. They're the best team in the league. Uh, doesn't mean that you know there aren't a couple teams. I think there's a couple teams that could beat them. San Diego State's one of them. I think Wyoming's another. I don't, I'm taking Colorado State out of the mix now. They have really dropped off, even though they went on the road and they had a good win against Utah State the other day. Colorado State, to me, is not at the level of San Diego State, who has the best player in the conference. I would say number one and number two is Bryce Hamilton. San Diego State has the best all-round player in the conference. I would say... And as I mentioned before, Wyoming coming to town on senior night, Wednesday night, that's going to be a big game for UNLV. As far as the game goes, Chris, we were, we were sitting there courtside along with T-Mac. I'll mention his name before Marcus Banks because I know that will piss him off. But anyway, uh, as far as the game goes, UNLV got off to a really bad start. To me, that's where they lost the game. It wasn't necessarily the final 10 minutes. I know they got outscored the final 10 minutes. I get that. But I think it took a lot of energy for UNLV to get back into the game, mentally and physically. They started off, the Broncos, I think they hit their first six or seven shots. It seemed like UNLV couldn't get a stop the first five minutes of the basketball game because they didn't. Mentally, it's very difficult. It's kind of like in golf, right? If you start off an 18-hole golf tournament and you bogey the first three holes, you can come back and maybe get that score to 68-69, but it ain't going to be a 65 because you got to work so hard to make up for your poor start. You could talk about that in football, right? You give up an early couple touchdowns, you can play well for three quarters, but it's still going to be tough for you to win. Anyway, the analogies can go on and on and on here. I'm talking about the, you know, the game on Saturday. UNLV got off to a very bad start. They were down double digits early. Give them all the credit in the world, and this is a credit to Kevin and the team for playing hard. They fought their way back into it. Chris, Boise State's just a better basketball team. What's the bread and butter for UNLV basketball as of late when they've been winning basketball games, right, Brian? It's been that team defense, right? They've been a team that's been able to lock down when they've had to do it, and they've been able to get some timely offense. That wasn't the case on Saturday night. Look, uh, Boise State, who is in, in the midst of a four-game winning streak right now, uh, got off to a great start offensively. They ended up uh, shooting for the entire game. They shot almost 54% for the game, and you pointed out in the first half, Boise State scored uh, uh, 47 points. Most they scored all year long in the first half. So UNLV was running some issues from a defensive standpoint. Uh, you know, you had you had uh, uh, Keygab out there looking like Jamal Mashburn, uh, you know, scoring points left and right. You had Shaver Jr. It seemed like whenever he wanted to get to the basket, he could get to the basket for Boise State. Those two t- players combined for 50 points in this game. Also, you had, uh, you know, you had Deegan Hart out there shooting threes for Boise State as well, too. And Brian, how many times when we're watching this game, right, down at the Thomas and Mack, was there an opportunity where Boise State misses a free throw and gets the offensive rebound and then gets a bucket 
right? Either gets a two-pointer or knocks down a three. It happened multiple times in that game on Saturday. Another big reason why UNLV ends up on the losing end against the Broncos in that matchup. And, and we're going to break down the Mountain West Conference Tournament, which is, what, a week and a half away. Uh, Jeff Grammer from the Albuquerque Journal, who does a great job covering college hoops, particularly in the Mountain West, uh, will be joining us here in a little bit. But regardless of what I just saw, I think it's a tall task for UNLV to, to beat Boise. They can. They proved they're capable. They were up with 14 minutes to go. But I think UNLV, for the first time, I'm going to say this, maybe certainly since the Dave Rice era, I believe UNLV has an outside chance of winning the Mountain West Conference Tournament. I really do. They certainly have uh, proved that they can beat Fresno. They can beat Colorado State. I think San Diego State uh, is, is a tough matchup for them. Top three teams. And, and Wyoming is going to be very interesting on Wednesday. Night. I think they can beat Wyoming. By the way, that's the coach of the year in the Mountain West. He has done a phenomenal job with that program, a program that has really struggled over the years. Uh, so Wyoming is a breath of fresh air. They're a good basketball team. So is Boise. I think Boise is the best team in the league. Uh, they have size. They have big guards that can shoot. Like Their guards are like 6'5", six, 6'4". Six, Very difficult to guard those guys. They did a re- Even though Hamilton scored his points, and I think Bryce Hamilton is just having a phenomenal year, uh, but they really made life hard on Hamilton. They were guarding him 30 feet from the basket at times, and that's how you guard Bryce Hamilton. You can't back up and allow him to shoot that lethal jumper that he has. You've got to guard him you know, 30 feet from the basket. Boise did a really good job of that. Uh, Leon Rice, as far as Leon Rice goes, the head Boise State coach, um, I I believe he's underachieved. I think he's had some good basketball teams, and he hasn't been able to get it done. Uh, I believe he gets over the hump this year. I think he finally wins his first Mountain West Conference title. You bring up Bryce Hamilton, Brian. Of course, Bryce ended up having a decent game from an offensive standpoint. He ended up with 25 in the game. The problem was, and we talked about this with Kevin in the post-game press conference, was the rest of the guards just were basically non-existent, right? You had five other guys in the backcourt for UNLV that combined to make three shots in the game. I mean, that's just not going to get it done. So going back to what you said here at the open of this segment, talking about UNLV basketball, what do you think about Kevin Kruger? I mean, look, this is a uh, Kevin. You, you use the word great. I don't know if I'd say it's, it's great. I think he's been impressive, right, that you're coming in in your first season, given the atmosphere, right, and the climate that is UNLV basketball over the past decade or so, right, and it's a program that's trying to get back to relevance when it comes to the Mountain West Conference. When you're talking about Kevin Kruger, right, your thoughts regarding you know how he's been able to you know almost make kind of a uh, uh, a mental transition for this program, a view of this program here's, that's different now, right? Here's that why it has been in previous seasons. Here's why I use the already. Term. Yeah. Here's why I said he's done a great job thus uh-huh. far. And by the way, the season's not over. Obviously, if he loses in the first round of the Mountain West Conference Tournament, that's going to be a big disappointment. Got to get to the semis at least. Yeah. But I'm going by right now. Here's what I think he's done a great job of. First of all, first-year coach, never been a head coach before. You can't even tell me there's been one game where you say to yourself, team quit on them, team didn't play hard. They play hard every single game. That is a testament to not only the kids on the floor, but the coaching staff. They've bought in. And in this day and age and era where these young kids, some of them think they're hot, you know what? Very difficult. The All these kids have bought in. That's number one. Very difficult. And we cannot put that behind us. That's really important. Marvin Menzies was unable to do that. How many games did I say the team quit? TJ Otzelberger, the team quit. Dave Rice, the team quit. Noah Coach, where they rarely didn't quit, Lon Kruger. And Kevin Kruger has taken that from his father, I believe. So that's number one. Very important. Number two, 
Are you getting the maximum out of the talent that you have? While Kevin Kruger has some talent, the opposite of that is Nevada Reno. Steve Alford has got nothing out of the talent he has. They're the most underachieving team in the Mountain West. Steve Alford not getting it done in Nevada. Now, Kevin does have Bryce Hamilton. He's got some good players. Okay, We do not have a good point guard. I don't care what anybody says. McCabe is a good kid. He's pretty good with the basketball. I'll give him credit for that. He doesn't turn it over. That's very important quality for a point guard. But he is not scoring. He's shooting the ball terribly. And he's just not making the plays that you need your point guard to make. Uh, Williams is a very good player. He's a serviceable player. Listen, uh, Royce is a guy that came from another program. He was averaging a couple points a game. He's playing well. He's playing hard. He's a fighter. He's a rebounder. But other than Bryce Hamilton, we don't have anything close to NBA talent. We have a couple good freshmen okay, that, that are impressive, that are playing well, got some good transfers. When you look at this team top to bottom, you don't say to yourself, wow, we have top talent in the Mountain West Conference. You're like, eh, middle of the pack maybe talent-wise, even though we have Bryce Hamilton, because it drops off after a couple players. It really yeah. drops off. So I look at the talent and I say, yes, I think Kevin's getting the maximum of what we have out on the floor. I also haven't said that in like 10 years. So you add the effort. Okay, When you're a coach, what do you ask for? What do you ask for in a coach? Three things, right? At least when I assess a basketball coach. Three things. Number one, has the team gotten better? Have they improved? Yes. This team has gotten a lot better over the course of the last couple months. Is the team playing hard? Is the effort there? Yes, the effort's there. Are you getting the maximum of the talent you have? Yes, I believe he has. So the, to, to me, those three things, nobody expected them to win the conference. In fact, if you told me at the beginning of the year that UNLV would be competing for a Mountain West Conference title, I probably would have called you crazy. This is competing. They have a chance to be the four seed, which is a big deal. Even though it's a bad conference, it's his first year. This is a big deal. This is, this is a program that has been in the play-in game for, for several times in the last five, six years. So that's why, uh, Chris, I use the term, he's done a great, great job. Sound the alarm, Numchuck, and uh, pushing the limits, listeners out there. Brian Shapiro is waxing poetic about the UNLV basketball program. I can say this as you know, as in full disclosure, as somebody that has known this man and has done radio in this town for a long time. That is a surprise that you are going. Uh, I'm honest. You're going positive. It's a, on UNLV hoops. I'm not, there. It is. <laughs> I was almost expecting the uh, the TC Martin show breaking news. Uh, you know, <laughs> sound to come out there. But no, I, I concur with everything. I absolutely concur with everything that Brian Shapiro just talked about there regarding. I'm being honest, Chris. And yes, and I will, and I'll add on to that one real quick, one quick thing. Yes. Okay. To think that we could be talking about. The UNLV Runner Rebels right now, possibly being in the mix and possibly winning the Mountain West tournament, I think is astounding. It's possible, really. It, it, but it's absolutely. Don't possible. think it's going to happen, but it's, it's absolutely poss- possible. But it's possible. Which it was, is which is Chris, absolutely. It, Chris, let me ask super you. Cool to think about. Was yeah. it possible under T.G. Altsberger for two years? Did you say it was a possibility? Have you ever? Absolutely said that? not. No. Did you ever say it was a possibility under Marvin Menzies? I don't believe so. No. Maybe the first year that they had Zimmerman and those guys. You know that was uh, that was that uh, was that was Dave Rice, and that was probably okay. So so yep. so then it goes back to Dave Rice. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, yep. When Dave Rice took over the program, uh, I thought he had a chance, mm-hmm. especially after they beat uh, North Carolina. Even though I knew he wasn't a very good bas- head basketball coach, but uh, with all the talent that Dave Rice had, it's incredible that he didn't even come close to winning a Mountain West Conference title. That's a testament to him, and he's just not a very good head basketball coach. Good assistant, maybe, but uh, not a good head basketball coach. When you you know again, when you assess coaches, 
It's not always wins and losses. You know, our players playing hard. That means they're buying in, which is not an easy thing to do. That's your job as a coach. Uh, and then you go down the list of are you getting the maximum? Look at how much better Bryce Hamilton has been this year as opposed to last year and the year before. Because he wasn't being put in good situations. He was given the basketball late shot clock situations. I feel like he's getting the ball now in more comfortable spots. He like Bryce Hamilton would prefer not getting the ball beyond the three-point line. Where Bryce likes the ball is that 10 to 12-foot range. You give him the ball at the free-throw line, he's either going to stuff a shot right there, or it gives him that first step to drive to the basket. And what Kevin does very well is he puts players in situations where he knows they're going to succeed. And listen, I'm not trying to get too far ahead of myself here. I mean, you know, you finish fourth in the Mountain West Conference, and if you lose in the first round of the Mountain West Conference tournament, nobody's going to be doing jumping jacks. All I'm saying is the men's program is headed in the right direction. The women's program is certainly headed in the right direction. But the money they make, and again, I say this with all due respect to the women's team, and that coach has done a phenomenal job. The university is not making money off of women's basketball. They make money off of men's basketball and football. Now, the football program right now is hopeless. I don't care what people say about Marcus Arroyo. Hopeless. They might win three games next year. They're terrible. Okay? I'm sorry. I have no hope in Arroyo. I have hope in Kevin, and I have hope in the men's program because I've seen the product. And i got to tell you, as I said before, that game on Saturday was exciting. It was an exciting college basketball game. Second half, back and forth, big play after big play. It was fun to watch. I haven't had that much fun watching a, a UNLV game in a while. It was at a very good level, a very good level. It was a good Mountain West college basketball game. It was fun to watch. It was the opposite, basically, of watching a San Diego State-San Jose State game. San Diego State's okay. They're good, but their games are not that much fun to watch. But anyway, uh, it was a fun game to watch, and I enjoyed it. And, Brian, the game on Saturday was looked at as a measuring stick game, right, mm-hmm. for UNLV in the Mountain West Conference. And now leading up to this week, of course, playing on yeah. Wednesday against uh, yeah. uh, the likes of uh, Wyoming, it's going to be yeah. exactly the same situation, another measuring stick game. For yeah, basketball. don't talk to me about measuring sticks because sometimes my dates do that, and it's, it doesn't end good for me. Anyway, so we're going to take a break, and when we come back, when we come back, we're going to have Jeff Grammer joining us. We won't be talking to him about measuring sticks, but we are going to be no. talking to him about the Mountain West Conference Tournament. We're going to preview the Mountain West Conference Tournament. And by the way, Rick Patino Jr. is the coach at New Mexico out there. So ask him a little bit about that. Ask him to grade Patino, Kevin Kruger, the Mountain West Conference as a whole. Also ask Jeff, how many teams does he think are going to get into the NCAA Tournament? Jeff Grammer from the Albuquerque Journal coming up next right here on Pushing the Limits on KSHP. Hey, everybody. Are you struggling to find a pizza place that reminds you of Brooklyn? That true blue New York-style pie? Well, worry no more. Stallone's Italian Eatery Pizza is a knockout. We're located at 467 East Silverado Ranch Boulevard, just off of Premier Road, half a mile east of South Point Casino, just minutes from the Las Vegas Strip. Come by and grab a slice of pie. Plus, check out our Brooklyn-inspired Italian cuisine. Our sandwiches are super. Hero, that is. Because why be a sub? When you can be a hero. Stallone's Italian Eatery is here to serve you phenomenal food, Vegas. Forget about it. STN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. 
STN Sports has it all. In-play betting, mobile parlay cards, the Play Plus card to fund and withdraw from anywhere in Nevada, and the latest lines on every game. STN Sports even lets you earn rewards on every bet. Safe and easy betting from your phone or tablet. Go to StationCasinoSports.com or sign up at any Station Casino, Fiesta Wildfire, or the El Cortez. Details at the Sportsbooks. A great time. Hey, Las Vegas. You want to be part of one of the fastest-growing radio shows in the Valley? Now's your chance. Radio advertising has remained one of the most effective promotional channels for advertisers for years. And now you have the opportunity to be part of this exciting new show called Pushing the Limits with Brian Shapiro. We have multiple sales packages with wide ranges of pricing to fit your budget. Live reads, live remotes, you name it, we can offer it. So give us a call at 702-576-0493. That number again, 702-576-0493. Give us a call and we will take care of you. Oh yeah, nothing like a little 90s alternative rock to wake you up. Welcome back to Pushing the Limits. So glad you could join us. As I mentioned, March Madness is right around the corner. By the way, I'm looking it up, uh, Coach K's final game. The average ticket price at Cameron, around sixty-five dollars to $7,000. That's craziness. That is absurd. Wow. That is absurd. So is that the last game on Saturday against Carolina? Uh, the last home game. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, Cameron Indoor. Unbelievable. Anyway, uh, those tickets aren't going for that much these days, at least not for uh, UNLV games or New Mexico games. But joining us right now on the line, the man who covers New Mexico, does a great job for the Albuquerque Journal. Of course, I'm talking about Jeff Grammer joining us right now on the line. Jeff, thanks for joining us. How are you, my man? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Doing good, Jeff. Appreciate you coming on, as always. Uh, So uh, before we get to New Mexico and and the Mountain West Conference as a whole, we were just talking about the Boise State-UNLV game over the weekend. And uh, I was grading Kevin Kruger. I think he's done a really good job. I think he gets the maximum out of the talent he has. And, you know, fourth in the Mountain West for a first-year coach, I think it's an accomplishment. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. I think um, he was a guy I was pretty skeptical of going into the season. Obviously, there were three new coaches this year, two of them plenty of experience, including in the Big Ten. And uh, he was the wild card, right? I mean, he was he was an assistant coach. Nobody ever has a really good idea on how an assistant coach moving up to the that first chair is going to really do in their debut year. And, and you bring in a whole bunch of transfers, um, guys that weren't stars anywhere. Um, you, you can't help but kind of enter this season with a little bit of a question mark on how he's going to do it. I know there was optimism that he'd do well, but I don't think anybody knew exactly what they were going to get with him. And early, in, even in conference play, there were still a whole lot of question marks about him, right? I mean, in non-conference, they played some tough teams, but, you know, the, the results weren't there. They might have played a couple tough teams close, but still a lot of question marks. And then I would say over this past month um, to, to five or six weeks ago, um, he, he really – he really got that team bought into to to a style and to you know to a culture that uh, is a, a foundation laying culture. But he's also not just playing for the you know this isn't a team just playing for the future. They they think they can win a couple games and uh, why not right? I mean that's that's the goal at this time of year. So uh, they're playing really good. He he has kind of moved himself into at least the conversation for for maybe coach of the year just because he's such a surprise in the league. Obviously, you know, Leon Rice, who's been around forever, 
if if he wins this league, he'll get some consideration. And, and what Jeff Linder's done at Wyoming is certainly going to yeah. still get some uh, some consideration, even though they've fallen off just a little bit lately. It's hard to say that they're still in second place, but right. um, you know, I I think uh, Kruger has at least you know worked his way into a conversation for Coach of the Year, which. How can how can you argue with that? You know, I agree with him, and I even make the argument maybe you could put Kevin over Leon. Leon Rice has more talent. I mean, I think with UNLV, uh, Bryce Hamilton, you throw Williams in there, and then there's a big drop off. I, I, I tell you, I, I, so I watched uh, the Boise State game in person on Saturday. It doesn't do oh. ju- doesn't really do justice to watch it on TV because I see how big their guards are and how physical they are. They got uh, about eight guys that can shoot the three, uh, and uh, but they're not necessarily a jump shooting team. Everybody says that they're physical. Their guards are tenacious, and I I think they're the best team top to bottom in the Mountain West. Would you agree? Um, so I don't know yet, and we're we're eleven games into uh, or away from the season being over, and I don't know yet. the The thing that surprises me, and this is a credit to Boise State, is they they are huge. First of all, um, in terms of you know average roster height, they're top twenty in the whole country, um, and they're playing a bunch of six 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 seven guards. Um, across the board other than Marcus Shaver who can who can shoot from the outside. So what they are is sort of what those San Diego State teams were for a long time where they just threw out five, six, you know, five guys out on the court at one time between six six and six nine and they switch everything. They're they're a really good defensive team. What I'm a little surprised at is that teams with smaller guards, um New Mexico team I cover being one of them that just has two small guards, um I, I'm surprised that the smaller teams haven't been able to outrun them yet. I, I thought that those bigger um, guards would probably be have some maybe more foul trouble this season, maybe have a little bit more trouble handling those quicker, smaller guards. But they pack the pack the paint so well. They they kind of they make you they take away your driving lanes and stuff like that. So I, I just think that Boise's actually done a really good job with their size. I don't think big teams always equal a lot of success in college basketball. In fact, I think college basketball oftentimes. Has has some pretty successful teams that have those small guards that can shoot from the outside or drive and penetrate, and so Boise State's really done that. I, I guess the only question mark I have at this point is I still think Colorado State at their best. And this is you know I'm talking to a to a Las Vegas market here that saw them twice lose to UNLV. Right. I still think Colorado State at its best is the best overall team in this league, but. I, you know, we're a week away, so so at some point I gotta probably give Boise the credit they deserve. Yeah, and listen, Colorado State went on the road and they took care of business against Utah State. Good, really good team at home. So you got to give Colorado State credit for that. Roddy has been very inconsistent. I mean, one game he'll 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 score you know twenty three, twenty four points and fourteen rebounds, and then the next game he'll do like what what UNLV you know did to him. So uh, inconsistency. While I, I agree with you, I think Colorado State is certainly capable. Uh, I I don't know. I just get the sense sometimes. Jeff, that it's just, it's Leon Rice's time. I feel like he's had years where he's underachieved, he's had the talent, he's been unable to get over the hump, and when I mean get over the hump is win the conference title. So I could be wrong, Jeff, and and you make a lot of valid points there. I just get the feeling that it's Leon Rice, it's his time, and he's got some really good guard play. We know how important guard play is uh, in March, so we'll have to wait and see what happens. I want to ask you about your team a little bit in New Mexico. Of course, Rick Pitino Jr., uh, sadly he wasn't able to make the trip to Vegas because I believe he had COVID, uh, so we weren't able to see him on the sidelines but what type of grade would you give him this season a pretty solid grade look they Lobo fans don't like the fact that they're going to be in the 8-9 game that's I mean as a quick aside I mean how far how much have things changed from eight or nine years ago the 8-9 game this year is the 11 a.m. Wednesday first day of the tournament game next week in the Mountain West tournament 
The Thomas and Mac 11 a.m. game is going to be the New Mexico Lobos versus Steve Alford and Craig Neal's Nevada Wolfpack. Mm. And I mean, to, to think of what this league was just, you know, I guess seven, eight years ago um, with Alford and Neal, the, the, the combination of them kind of running New Mexico as well as they were doing, and New Mexico obviously being still right up there. So that, that's how far New Mexico has fallen. As far as, as what Richard Pitino has done this year, they were picked tied for 8th and ninth in the preseason. They, they're going to finish in that 8-9 game. They, they did have some highs. They, they beat rival New Mexico State in Las Cruces with the 101-point game, and, and they had a great offensive showing. They beat, you know, they, they have two foundational kind of building block guards in their backcourt. They need bigs bad. They lost three, their top three centers this year. They were awful at UNLV. They were awful against San Diego State. They were awful at Utah State, but that's the same Utah State team that they were up 17 on and lost an overtime at the last second. So they've shown glimpses of, of kind of being a building building towards the future sort of program, and they do have the pieces in place, I think. they they so the transfer market world anymore. So they're a big man away from making, I think, a pretty significant jump. They don't have a center on their roster that was supposed to play this year. The two guys they have playing center, one of them's a, a four who had never played center in his in his life, and the other one's a freshman who who arrived a week into the semester from Sweden. That was because of some visa issues. Who was supposed to redshirt? So the, their two centers weren't supposed to be centers, and um, I do think that they have a opportunity next year to make quite a significant jump. But as far as this year goes, I'd still give him you know a, a solid B. Um, certainly not an A. They didn't make a run that was unexpected or anything like that. So I wouldn't give him an A, but I do think there were some hurdles in, in front of them that uh, that were legitimate. You lose three centers, you're not going to win a whole lot of games. And yet they uh, they found a way to knock off a ranked Wyoming team and, and compete with most teams. Again, I tell that to a, a Las Vegas market that saw them lay an egg in Vegas earlier right. this year. Right. Jeff, we have March Madness, of course, is on the horizon. Of course, we're expecting uh, a very exciting and uh, entertaining, to say the least, Mountain West tournament coming up. But, of course, a lot of discussion regarding what this conference is going to be able to do when it comes to the NCAA tournament. Wanted to get your thoughts as far as uh, what you expect as, as, with uh, respect to this conference, how many teams are going to get into the NCAA tournament, and could there be a scenario that presents itself where, you know, you get uh, you know, kind of a rogue team, that third team, in the Mountain West Conference that wins the conference and, of course, creates kind of a, uh, a, a developing situation, let's put it that way, right. with the likes of uh, a team like, uh, say, for example, uh, uh, Boise State and, uh, of course, Wyoming. So right now I'd say, um, just looking at the numbers, I, I do think it's going to be a three-team um, league. I think that Boise State and Colorado State will probably be in as at large as if they don't win the Mountain West Tournament. I think a third team is going to get in there. Wyoming-San Diego State tonight is, is a really big game for yes, both teams. Yes, agree. Um, I, I, I hate that it comes down to maybe just one game for those two teams, but I think the winner tonight, especially for San Diego State because it's a road game at Wyoming, I, I really think that that could build their resume up enough to, to make them have a little bit of breathing room where if they at least win a game in the Mountain West Tournament, that I think they might be able to get in because that's what the computer numbers show. Um, so I, I'm going to stick with, for now, three teams, but I, I can see a fourth team getting in because I do think that the top seven um, probably in this league could probably make a run next week. I, I think it goes down as deep as Utah State. When they're on, their offense is efficient enough that I think they can make a run. Fresno State, their defense, and Orlando Robinson factor, like those are the two that would be wild cards because I think they'll be playing in the first day. I don't see a first-day team really making a run. But if they do, I think those are the two that make it. But then one through five, I mean, 
even UNLV, again, the, the numbers don't show that the Thomas and Mack has been a home court advantage in the tournament necessarily, but they are playing at home. They, they are playing good, and they are building towards the future. That, those are all kind of uh, recipes that maybe even yeah. UNLV can make a run. So the, the tournament could be one through seven have a chance at this thing. Agree with you. If you're just joining us, uh, we are speaking with Jeff Grammer, Albuquerque Journal, covers New Mexico, and of course the Mountain West Conference. The problem I have with Fresno is, well, uh, Robinson's a great player, but the, uh, Hudson is a good coach, uh, great defensive team, but boy, they just can't score. Uh, watching yeah. watching yeah. a San Diego State uh, Fresno game, uh, they're lucky if they score 100 combined points. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Player of the Year candidates in the Mountain West Conference. Listen, I could name six or seven, but I'm going to give you two that I just love watching, and maybe I'm a little biased. Of course, I'm going to bring up Bryce Hamilton. He's having an unbelievable year. I absolutely love Matt Bradley. I think this guy is an NBA player. He can score anywhere against anybody. I also think he's going to have a huge game tonight against Wyoming. Uh, I give Matt Bradley a slight edge over Bryce Hamilton. How do you see it? So I think Bradley, I think again tonight, I, I hate putting some, you know 30-game season down to one game. If Bradley has a really good game tonight, especially because they have two guys that I think most people are in certainly consideration, at least for the top five in, in all Mountain West, maybe top six or so players in Hunter Maldonado and Graham Ike. Um, I, I think if Bradley goes in there and San Diego State wins and it's because Bradley has, kind of goes off on him a little bit, I think Bradley puts himself in a, in a really good position. Yeah. Um, I, I do think that, again, um, I, I know what he's done against UNLV, but David Roddy's still in the mix. Yep. He has had some ups and downs, but his, his numbers yeah. are what they are. And he is a finalist for, um, you know, Wooden War type stuff. So mm-hmm. he's had that season. But, um, yeah, I mean, Bryce Hamilton, if, here's the thing about Bryce. is The question marks on him were he, he was always a scorer. The last two years he was a scorer, but it wasn't resulting in wins. This year he's a scorer even at a higher level, and they're winning, and they're kind of in contention at the end. So I'm curious what that's going to do to some voters' minds around this league, coaches and media, when they when they kind of start putting stuff together. Um, does does the fact that he was always a scorer, and this year he's a, an even better scorer, but they're winning, kind of push the needle, move the needle a little bit? It, it should in a whole lot of people's minds. So um, I was wondering as recently as a few weeks ago if he was going to even be a first-teamer, and, geez, that was stupid because he's not really a first-teamer. He's right at the top of the first team. Jeff, I think the word I would use is efficiency. Uh, Everything you said is true, right? UNLV is winning games. But even the first couple weeks of the year, Jeff, and and I talked to Kevin Kruger about this, and he agreed – Bryce Hamilton, the last couple of years, as a special player as he is, he was forcing shots at times. He was putting too much weight on himself, taking a lot of off-balance shots. I feel like, especially over the course of the last six weeks, we're seeing a Bryce Hamilton doesn't take a lot of forced shots. He took a few the other night, but he's, he's letting the game come to him. And I, I think that's why we're seeing the efficiency that we're seeing with Bryce Hamilton. And that's why he's, no doubt, uh, a candidate to win Player of the Year. And you're right, this game tonight is by far probably the biggest game of the year for the Mountain West Conference. There's no question about that. This is a statement game uh, for both teams. There's, there's no doubt about that. All right, Jeff, I want to put you on the line, my friend. Uh, I, I, I put, put, you, put you on point right here. Who do you think wins the Mountain West Conference Tournament? Oh, man, that's a good question. Um, I suppose based on matchups, um, the way they're looking right now, seeding-wise, uh, I'll, I'll probably – I've been leaning Colorado State for a while – so I'll probably ride Colorado State, but man, Boise State just keeps winning the games that everyone expects them to lose. So um, I'll go with Colorado State, but this is the closest I think this league tournament or this conference tournament's been in in quite a while, at least with multiple teams. Sometimes there's been a two-team race where I didn't know out of two teams who might win it. Uh, I'll stick with Colorado State because I've been sticking with them most of the year, but 
man, this this is a really wide open, at least four teams, maybe five, like I said, as deep as seven, maybe. But I'll, I'll give this year maybe four or five teams that have a legitimate shot at this thing. So, Jeff, we want to bounce a fun tidbit off you because we're talking about uh, great players out of the Mountain West. And myself and Brian yesterday got a chance to check out the Los Angeles Lakers-Pelicans game. And, of course, uh, one of the players yep. for the Pelicans, of course, is Tony Snell, former Lobo. And uh, we were both kind of bantering back and forth and debating, you know, did we think that, uh, you know, Tony Snell was this good? you think he was an NBA guy. So you, as someone who's covered the Lobos for a number of years, uh, did you think, that Tony Snell was going to be a guy that's going to be able to carve out a solid NBA career like he has so far? It, no. I mean, I'd be lying if I told you I thought that because he, I did think he could go to the NBA. I talked to enough scouts that, that, that year where I knew that you know there was enough interest. I didn't know he'd be a first-round pick that year, first of all. That was the year Anthony Bennett went number one overall. And uh, later in the first round, Tony Snell goes. So he, he made himself a lot of money in this Mountain West tournament that year. Um, they they won it. He was running off screens the entire time. There's 18,000 in the championship game against Bennett and the and the Rebels, and, and that was 2013. And um, I'll tell you this: this is what's crazy about Tony is, is not only has he carved out a nice little career for him in Lobo history in, in terms of career earnings in the NBA. He's behind only one player at this point, and that's Danny Granger. He, he passed Luke Longley, who played in a different era, wow. um, but played a long time. Um, wasn't getting paid as much because of the era, but yeah, Tony Snell has now passed everybody. I'm sorry, there are two people in front of him. Um, Kenny Thomas and Danny Granger are the only two people who have earned more than him, and he's about to pass Kenny Thomas if he plays one more season beyond yeah. this year. I don't know if anybody in the Mountain West, from the Mountain West, has three championship rings, but the name I do bring up is Pat McCaw. I had to bring him up. <laughs> <laughs> Three championship rings for Pat McCaw. How about that? Hey, Jeff, you do a phenomenal job uh, covering the Mountain West in New Mexico. I appreciate you coming on, and uh, maybe we can have you jump on again uh, as the Mountain West Conference Tournament approaches us. Uh, Appreciate you coming on, Jeff. Thank you very much. Thanks, Jeff. We'll see you here in Vegas. Sounds good. Thanks, Chris. All right. Appreciate it. Jeff Grammer, uh, one of the the really good... uh, journalist covering the Mountain West Conference and uh, always appreciate his perspective. That is true. Pat McCaw does have three championship rings. Uh, didn't score a lot of points for the Golden State Warriors. But... In fairness, he did contribute to the first one. <laughs> yes, a little bit. A little bit. He hit a few yeah. shots in the NBA Finals. Pat McCaw's a good dude. Uh, but uh, three NBA... Three more, by the way, than guys like Carl Malone or John Stockton. So I just wanted to, just wanted to throw that little tip. Who was the best player ever to not win an NBA championship? Would you say it's like Carl Malone? Who's the best player to, to never win a championship? It's it's obviously between Carl Malone and Charles Barkley. Barkley, in my opinion. You put Barkley yeah. up. How many yeah. does Wilt have? Wilt the Stilt. Did Wilt Chamberlain? Uh, I thought he had two. At win least. two? Yeah, he he won multiple I championships. So. Yeah, off the top of my head, I can't. Remember. I'd have to go back. You know, I'm not going to go back to like the Bob Cousy days. And we but. might you see. We might be because you and I are both from the you know the 90s, yeah. 80s, and and later yeah. era. So we might be leaving a player out. That we was probably great. Are. I thought back you were going to. I thought you were going to say Chris Dudley, but uh, <laughs> but uh, New York Knickerbocker who Chuck scored Nevitt. who scored 46 percent at the uh, at the free throw line. Uh, Dikembe Mutombo is another player, right? That uh, uh, has never won. A ring. I have a. I have a list here. Oh well. Geez, we're forgetting Dominique Allen Wilkins. Iverson. Hello. I mean, look, Dominique Wilkins is on we're, the list. We're forgetting Allen Iverson. We just saw T Mac the other day. Yes. Tracy McGrady T-Mac never won an never NBA won a champion title either. Oh, here's a good one. Arguably the best shooter of all time, next to Ray Allen. Uh, I know that people put Steph Curry in there, and that's an, another discussion. But Reggie Miller never won an NBA championship. Really? Reggie yes. was. And you're right. You mentioned Dominique. Uh, mm-hmm. See, I don't put Chris Paul in there because I just don't think he's. He's a he's an excellent player. He's an all star, but I'm not going to put him on the likes of Dominique Wilkins and John Stockton and Carl Malone. So I'm just going to erase Chris Paul, uh, and I'm going to erase Russell Westbrook too. Because can we just stop the nonsense? Patrick Ewing is a name that's legitimate. 
Patrick Ewing is a name. Ewing is one of the top 50 players of all time. That guy never won a championship in New York. George Gervin, the Iceman. I just met, met up with George Gervin at the uh, three-on-three thing. I was able to talk to him. Great guy. The Iceman never won a championship. And James Harden is a fair name to mention. Uh, Steve Nash, another guy that was a great player. Absolutely worth mentioning. Uh, Elgin Baylor. I forgot about Elgin Baylor, right? Again, Former Boston. Na- again, names yeah. that are, go back in the day, right, before our time. So that's why we didn't mention him right at the top. Uh, but number one, I mentioned the number one guy. It's Carmelo. It's Carmelo. Yeah, Carmelo. Uh, uh, because you're talking about arguably yeah. the greatest power forward of all time, right? And they brought him to the Lakers the last year of his career, and that was a joke, trying to steal an NBA championship, and that didn't work out. Carmelo uh, had to deal with a pretty good player in Michael Jordan, although Marcus Banks would say not not as good as LeBron James, but uh, he had to deal with the Chicago Bulls for many years. I still remember that shot that uh, Jordan hit over Russell in the, in the playoffs. That was brutal. Uh, that shot and, and the shot he hit over Craig Elo back in the day, to me, are the two most memorable Michael Jordan shots in the playoffs. So, Brian, you mentioned, of course, you know, Carl Malone, as well as Gary Payton being members of that 2004 Laker team that didn't win it. The yep. team that did win it, obviously, the 2004 Detroit Pistons. No players on that championship team are among the top 75 of all time. Yeah. That was kind of a fun fact that was put out mm-hmm. there on social media earlier this week. So, uh, yeah, they had some great players in that team, from Rasheed Wallace, obviously, to Chauncey Billups and uh, Rip Hamilton, but none of those guys made the top 75. Yeah. So, uh, kind of a testament to that team. But, yeah, that, that Laker team, they built it yeah. to win a title, and they came up short. So I have to mention a few of our advertisers, Chris, and you'll appreciate both of them. Yes, Because I we're will. actually going to Stallone's, which is uh, the new restaurant that Brett Raymer owns. Uh, the a g- great friend of mine supports the show. And uh, his new restaurant grand opening is now. It's today. It's the soft mm-hmm. opening. So we're going to head over there and grab some lunch. And uh, Stallone's, i got to tell you, the best meatballs I've ever had in my life. It's located about a mile or two down the road from South Point Casino on East Silverado. Uh, and uh, the food is just incredible. So please check it out, Stallone's. And uh, my guy, Brian's, uh, and, uh, Brian Slipok, who owns Jackson's Bar and Grill, uh, that is a, Chris has made plenty of donations into that uh, gaming bar, uh, as have I. But what great food they have here. It's a great restaurant. Uh, by the way, here's the great thing about Jackson's. And if you wanted to know where it was located, great bar. Uh, located right there on uh, Flamingo and Jones. Exactly. Uh, right? yes. And uh, so you walk in there, and if you mention my name and Pushing the Limits, uh, you get, uh, if you sign up for a comp card, you get $10 in free play. Simple as that. And they have a promotion in March. Uh, you've seen me hit a few taxable Royal Flushes before. Yes. So if you hit a Royal Flush there for, say, $4,000, say you're playing dollars, you hit a Royal for $4,000, you are going to get 10% free play on what you won. So that's $400 in free play. That's pretty darn cool. They get, what a deal. Yeah, it's great promotions yeah. over there, man. And it's great food. Uh, the food there is awesome. The staff is great. So please check them out. Mention my name, Mr. Brian Shapiro, Pushing the Limits. And I promise you, Brian and his staff over there will take care of you. And it's a great gaming bar. It's awesome. you know. And, and you listen, you don't have to play big there. You can play 25-cent hands there, and, and you'll be treated exactly the same. That's what I love about that place. Walk in the door, mention my name and Pushing the Limits, sign up for a, for a player's card, you get $10 in free play just for walking through the door. That's pretty dang cool. And $10 free play, that's a lot of uh, eggs cracking on the screen and uh, and gorillas jumping across when you're t- when you're playing Caveman Kino. No question about it. So I like it. 
Chris just sits at these caveman Kino machines, and these noises that they make are noises you'd hear in a porn. I mean, it's really weird. These noises are dun 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 dun. Boink. It's it's very strange. Dun dun dun. Boink. It's very strange, Chris. You're what? How old are you now? You're what? You're fifty-one years old. It's weird to see a fifty-one-year-old man sitting in front of a caveman Kino machine for eight hours. You know what's even more weird though, Brian and Numchuck and and pushing the limits crew out there. What's that? It's weird that a fifty-one-year-old man is talking to the machine. Okay, that's even more weird too. But yeah, I was I was playing Maybe I'm with sharing too much. We're playing no. with Chris over at Ellis Island uh, the other day, and Chris I was, was getting destroyed. So miserable, I was getting smacked around. He was so miserable yes. in front of this slot machine, and then I hit something, and I he was down like what? Uh, not that much, a couple hundred bucks. So I was able yeah. to uh, I was able to reimburse, you reimburse my losses. Yeah, I was yeah. I was very happy. By the way, that. I was very appreciative of that. The, it was pretty funny too the, because <laughs> you didn't have to do that, Brian. Right. You I'm know, a charitable I'm sure, guy. look, there's a lot of gamblers out there listening to this show. People that play video poker, right? Yes, yes. And so this was the exact scenario out there, folks. I'll do, I'll say it in a quick minute. Okay, <laughs> Brian's at the machine. He's got three aces dealt. Video poker, baby. He looks to me. He knows I've lost two hundred dollars. I got my hand in my head because I'm so upset, right? And he says, "You know what? See, win. If I hit this two hundred bucks coming your way, baby, it's two thousand yeah. dollar win, right? Yeah. What's he do? He knocks it out. Gets the fourth ace. Bang." And uh, Shapiro was a little bit of uh, coin in his pocket. That's my payment to you, $200 in yes. lobster dinner for coming in and doing the show. Anyway, thank you. I appreciate that. Chris, I always appreciate you uh, coming in. I, I do. And I uh, appreciate our listeners. And tomorrow on the show, we plan on having Kevin Kruger, head basketball coach UNLV. Why? Because, as we mentioned, it's senior night, Wednesday night against a very good basketball team in Wyoming. So that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, we'll give you the latest updates on what is going on in the Ukraine. Obviously, it's not looking good. It looked like they were involved in talks, and now those talks are off again. So listen, the news is evolving, and it's always changing. So we'll certainly give you an update on that, no question uh, about it. And, you know, I'll be up at the at the crack of dawn or, or 10 a.m., whatever the difference is there. Uh, I'm out pretty late. We're going to go see Pauly Shore tonight, by the way. Pauly Shore is performing at uh, on Fremont Street tonight. Hey, buddy! So uh, we will be uh, catching that show tonight. And then tomorrow, we, got, uh, a little, we might preview a little Golden Knights action, although the Sharks have really uh, blown off the face of the earth. They're not very good. That used to be quite the rivalry, but the Sharks are in town tomorrow night uh, playing the Golden Knights, so we'll talk a little hockey tomorrow as well. Talk with Kevin Kruger, UNLV head basketball coach, and as I mentioned, give you an update on what is going on uh, in the Ukraine. Uh, for that, we will take, well, what do we call it? A 22-hour break. Call it a 22-hour break, and we will see you at noon tomorrow, everybody. Thanks for joining the show. Have a great day.